Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. What in the hell do you think you are doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked off. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, the chicken. Double time. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. You don't get to party with John Boy today, I'm sorry. It's the guy that sounds like John Boy and looks like him if he really let himself go. How are you? My name is Greg Rakestraw. Yesterday was Brian. No, today I am playing the role of substitute teacher. John Boy is back tomorrow because, let's face it, he needs a couple of warm-up shows before the JMB takeover hits back on Saturday. So, uh, some well-deserved time off. He basically thought it was like old-school Labor Day weekend this weekend and did like a marathon. He did eight hours of radio on B1057. And then did five hours of radio on 93 WIBC and 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan with like minimal sleep. Uh, I, I at least got like five, four hours of sleep, I think, on Saturday heading into Sunday when I had my own little like 14-hour shift. Not that I would want it any other way on race day. So I am in with you between now and six. And, you know, one of the nice things about being the substitute teacher they really are just kind of more concerned. You don't swear into a live microphone. You can just kind of talk to the people and talk about the subjects that you want to talk about today. And some of these things, to some degree, have fallen into my lap. So these might be some things that are just, I wouldn't say off the beaten path, but things that are probably on more of my daily beat than, say, would be on John's. So, as is the case when I am filling in, we tend to run a little bit guest heavier uh, because, let's face it, I run a little bit heavier. But you can call the show at 317-239-1070. You can tweet to me at Greg Rakestraw. And, yes, I still have an email account here in case you want to go that way. Greg at 1070thefan.com. I will actually check it during the course of the show because usually during the day, it might get checked about once every four or five days. I will try to speed that up as best I can on the program today. The guest list on the show today is as follows and is in chronological order because that's the way my brain works. Um, I'm not sure. I, I would I would think it would be a curse to say that you look like me. By the way, there's a lot of dangling tires in this room. I can tell that I have not been able to host a show uh, for the last three or four weeks 
And, you know, in case you didn't know this, I used to have a full-time gig here. Now I'm just like the adjunct professor that comes in and teaches a night class for a couple of three months of the year. Um, so when I'm in the building to produce Soccer Saturday or do it live, wink, wink, um, I'm often not on this floor. So I have not set foot in this room in probably about three or four weeks. I've been a little busy. And I am used to this floor going ape blank in terms of decorating for the month of May, which in Indianapolis ended on set, on on Sunday. Technically, by like the Gregorian calendar, you know, it ends at the end of uh, business today. But uh, I'm going to see if I can, because you can, I think you can maybe catch one of these maybe over here for those of you watching on YouTube and Twitter, et cetera. So you see this? There are like 12 of them that are you know, like hanging from the ceiling as we speak. I would assume that John has made some sort of reference to team and tire about all these dangling tires at some point in time during the course of the show. Sorry, uh, my ADD kicked in. I got distracted. My apologies. Uh, today on the program, Luke Basso at 3.30. And yes, Luke looks like me. He has overcome that in life to hold a variety of important jobs. Um, and, and I have known him more for his work in, say, the political sphere slash, I wouldn't say community activi- activism, Actually, Luke's a guy that I'm not sure what jobs he's had, to be honest with you. I just know he's like he's, he's one of those guys that's kind of around. You know, he has a job. I'm not sure what his job is, but it appears by how he dresses and where he eats, he's been gainfully employed. Well, now I know his place of business because he is the new athletic director at IUPUI. And in fact, um, poor Luke's going to get compared to me even more because like his seat at IUPUI basketball games for the men is like literally right next to mine as the play-by-play guy on ESPN+. So the new athletic director at IUPUI, which will soon become IU Indianapolis uh, at about this time next year, Luke Basso will be joining us coming up in the next segment of the show. Something that will take up a great deal of my time, and I mean that in a very good way, over the course of the next week, is the Indiana-Kentucky All-Star Series. You know, there are 10 games being played under the auspices of the Indiana-Kentucky All-Star Series this year. Uh, We at ISC will broadcast eight of those, including two at Gamebridge Fieldhouse a week from Saturday. There is activity at Jeffersonville that is coming up on Sunday afternoon. We'll kind of set the stage for the week that will be with Mike Broughton, of course, former head coach at Jeffersonville, my broadcast partner for the IHSAA Boys and Girls State Finals, and is the All-Star Game Director for the Indiana All-Stars. We'll talk about that and more with Mike coming up a little bit later on this hour. Normally, when I am uh, doing a broadcast this time of year, uh, I am frequently paired with Brad Hodder. We have been doing this now for 10 years in terms of broadcasting uh, in the 11 soccer. For this year and next year, our home will continue to be behind the team benches, pitch side right next to the suites uh, at Carroll Stadium, um, the Mike, as we tend to call it with the Indy 11. For three years, it was Lucas Oil Stadium. But we're back at IUPUI, and that's always felt a, a bit more like home for us. Well, literally, ground was broken this morning for the new home of the Indy 11 and 11 Park. The Diamond Chain facility will start to come down. 11 Park residential business areas uh, as kind of downtown extends a bit further southwest down Kentucky Avenue, up against the White River, 
Well, the reason I bring up Brad, you're like, all right, you're going to break down the game. Brad's a guy I have on. Yes, he is my color commentator. Yes, he played 10 years professionally. Yes, he coached at the collegiate level, both men and women, for over two decades. But these days, Brad has a new job. He is the vice president of marketing and club growth for the Indy 11. And I would say if you are a director of club growth and marketing and various other things, being handed a brand new stadium a few months into your tenure is probably the way to go. So Brad will join us talk about, we may talk about the team, we probably won't. We're talking about that brand new building and the ceremony and stuff like that from earlier today. That'll come your way at 4 o'clock. One of the things that has also uh, kind of forced its way into the conversation between me, John, other hosts, etc., is the fact that this has been an exceedingly good year from a college baseball standpoint. Obviously, because of John being a very proud alumnus of Indiana State University, as well he should be, he has talked about the trees and knowing that they get to host an NCAA regional coming up on Friday. Clearly, we have both Indiana University and Ball State. Ball State champions the Mid-American Conference. Congratulations to the Cards. Hoosiers didn't fare as well in the Big Ten Tournament, but you know what? They won 40 games. They knew they were going to be in the NCAAs. They're playing down in Lexington. Apparently, they're going to be staying in dorms in Lexington because there's all kind of stuff going on in Lexington, and maybe they might need more hotel rooms, and maybe they shouldn't have had the host site, but that's a conversation for a different day. And I'm sure the next couple of days, there'll be more conversation about college baseball. I can't believe it's been 10 years since the um, Indiana Hoosiers, Kyle Schwarber, uh, Travis, etc., cetera, uh, all made this deep run. Aaron Slager is one of the, one of the great pitchers on that team. Um, and that team made a run to Omaha and won their first game in the College World Series. Maybe we have a team at the Division I level that can do something like that. Well, at the Division II level, we do have a team that has made the Division II World Series. That is an event that I broadcast for five years on NCAA.com. So I'm partial to it because of my alma mater, as well as I know the event very well. So we're going to have not one but two because there's a lot of great stories on that team. But there are two stories from those UND Greyhounds that stick out to me. First of all, there is a last name that you are very familiar with on this radio station. Um, and it's a common last name, but it is the closest connection you could have. The closer for the Greyhounds is E.J. White. You might know his dad, Eddie, as in the host of the world's allegedly greatest postgame show. Now, I'm the only one that says allegedly because, you know, I, I kind of think the postgame show I do is pretty good, too. That's really not a, a sticking point between Eddie and I. We are really close friends. Um, but his son, EJ, who, by the way, wants to work in soccer when he's done playing college baseball, uh, he got the final out in terms of uh, slinging on the mound, did that several times along the way in terms of UND's tournament run. Their baseball tournament run now has been going for two weeks. They have yet to lose. They're one of eight teams still playing at the Division II level. And EJ will join us coming up at some point in time during the 4.30 segment because we're going to have not one but two guests talk about the University of Indianapolis baseball team. And the other one, his name is Adam Rakestraw. That is not my son. So, so yes, both postgame shows are very well representing this town on the UND roster because there's a white and a Rakestraw. One of them is the kid. The other one is not. I am not related to Adam Rakestraw that I know of. We may do like some 23andMe sort of thing on the radio coming up. 
you know, for 20 years, I was the most athletic rake straw to play a sport at the University of Indianapolis, and I sucked, okay? But then this kid comes in and completely takes all of my shine. So we're going to talk to – he's a starter, by the way, on the team. We're going to talk to Adam coming up uh, in the 4 o'clock hour of the program as well. And then, oh, yes, Kevin Bowen will make his weekly appearance, not only with JMV, but instead – he is stuck with me. That will be coming up at 5 o'clock today. So there you go. That is the rundown in terms of guests, in terms of who we'll be talking to on the program today. Phone lines are open, 317-239-1070. Uh, tweet to me at Greg Rakestraw. Email the show anytime, greg at 1070thefan.com. From a topic standpoint, I know by the time that we kind of get to Wednesday, we tend to be moving on from the Indianapolis 500. Clearly not in the promotions department in terms of the decor um, with all of these tires um, that are here in the room. Um, so it, apparently it's always going to be 500 season uh, here in the drivehubler.com studios. But we can talk about that again because I spent so much time at 16th and Georgetown and loved every second of it. I made this point uh, to... Well, just anybody who would listen, because I just kind of randomly talk and see who I might catch their attention in conversation, kind of like, you know, this segment of the show. Um, I was on the PA for four hours and 45 minutes on Sunday morning, and it absolutely flew. It felt like I was there for 30 minutes. Part of that was the company that I was keeping in terms of track dude Michael Young. Part of it was the subject matter and sort of saying, hey, it's going to be this beautiful day for the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500. But part of it was I was just I really enjoyed what I did. And for the most part, I really enjoyed the race. You now, those last three red flags kind of bogged things down a little bit. And obviously, speaking of tires, we are having a completely different conversation about that race if that tire exits the racetrack at any other spot than where it did. Everyone is is exceedingly lucky. But at the same time, and I thought, and not surprisingly, because he's really good and B really knows what he's doing in this field, Kevin Lee last night on trackside, I thought, basically said it very well. And I'm not going to try to quote him. I will paraphrase it. But given whom the owner of the series and the facility is in terms of Roger Penske, but frankly, the overall track record of safety innovations – and say the last quarter century in the IndyCar series, I guarantee you they have gone to work already over the course of the last 72 hours to make sure what happened in terms of that tire going haywire and not being tethered and clearing the catch fence, they will make sure that that does not happen again. Because the last time I remember that happening in an Indy 500, I think back to 87, the last I remember that happening in terms of the IndyCar series in the stands was the tragic Charlotte race in the late 90s. It doesn't happen that often. It's not supposed to happen. There are systems to ensure that that doesn't happen. It still happened, which is kind of the nature anyway of, of uh, both innovation, but also the nature of racing. But I guarantee you that has been the subject of many meetings, much research, much, um, much conversation, um, potentially testing, et cetera. But that was the biggest drawback, and it frankly wasn't a drawback at all because of, again, the lucky break, the lucky bounce, the lucky flight of that tire. I'm sure the series is going to work to make sure that does not happen again, if at all possible. But in terms of talking about the race, race was race was great. Maybe race a little ho-hum at times. 
but it's never ho-hum when you've got 30 cars that are all going north of 220 miles an hour together out there at the Motor Speedway. And when you have the history of the place, the way that you, the Indianapolis public, the general racing public, have once again fallen back in love with the Indy 500 and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Um, From an anecdotal standpoint, I've been doing the post-race show now for 10 years on the fan. Twice when I have left the facility at 7 o'clock, my usual sign-off time, twice have I ever encountered any issue of traffic. 2016 and Sunday. And even Sunday saying it was an issue is pretty light. I was back in my not-so-palatial Broderpool Estate by 7.40. I was held up for like 20 minutes. And I can live with that with 300-plus thousand people trying to exit, you know, um, you know, the near west side of Indianapolis. If you want to talk anything 500, we certainly can. You want to talk anything NBA playoffs and NBA finals, we certainly can. And I will admit, because of all of the things that I do, and all of the various sports that I cover, the NBA has fallen off of my radar. Part of that, too, is the fact that the Pacers, while much better this year and more interesting this year, you know, their season has been done now for about seven weeks. Whereas obviously, we are already saw that process of, of talking about, hey, who's that seventh pick going to be? Hey, whom are the Pacers bringing in from a workout standpoint? Hey, where are those, you know, IU products? Is Zach Eady staying in? I'll, I'll check Twitter to see how that decision is looming in terms of is he coming back for one more year? Is he going to stay in the NBA draft? I don't think I had seen an answer by the time I signed on at 3 o'clock. But I, I, I don't follow as much NBA as I used to when I was in the job down the hall or in a seat like this every day. But I'm compelled to watch the NBA Finals almost for the same reasons that I did when it was the Bucks and the Suns two years ago. And the reason being is that teams that don't often make it, I realize the Heat have been there a lot over the last 15 years. I get that. Dwayne Wade and Shaq in 06. LeBron and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, etc. And at the expense of the Indiana Pacers three times during that run a decade or so ago. But I still have utmost respect for the Heat, A, because of how good Eric Spolstra has been, because of historically how good Pat Riley has been, and because Jimmy Butler basically said in the era of the super team, hey, I'm going to go here and we're going to figure it out. And they largely have. And because it's the Nuggets' first go-round, And again, because the Nuggets didn't super team it either. And and, and they got lucky and found a talent that turned out to be transcendent in Nikola Jokic. And then they have the pieces around him, like Murray. They bring in a KCP. They bring in an Aaron Gordon. In other words, they make the right moves to build around the guy that they determine, a la like the Bucks and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Holy, we have a star on our hands. A star that we normally wouldn't get in our market. I'm not sure if I'd claim Denver's a small market, but kind of their performance overall as an NBA franchise in the last 50 years, you would say they've been kind of small market. You know, superstars get drafted there. Carmelo Anthony. 
Superstars haven't often ended up in, in Denver for whatever reason. But they drafted correctly in terms of Murray and Jokic, and now they have put pieces around him. And I say Jokic, maybe it's Jokic. I could be wrong about that. You know what I'm talking about, right? So don't crush me if I if I'm saying a if I'm if I'm euroing his name and I haven't Americanized it to Jokic just yet. I think it's called the Joker. You know who I'm talking about. Big dude can pass like triple double every night. You know the guy. Looks kind of slow, but knows knows exactly where he's supposed to be on the court at all times and knows where everybody else is on the court at all times. You know that guy. I'm talking about him. So anyway. Um, do I carve out a lot of time to watch the NBA during the regular season? Not really. Do I keep tabs on the Pacers doing? Yes. Am I motivated to watch the Pacers more next season because of how fun they were for most of this season? Absolutely, I am. Have I spent a great deal of time watching the NBA playoffs? Not really. But I did. I, I did tune in on Saturday night before I went to bed uh, for the you know minimal sleep I got before getting to the track at at, at five thirty on Sunday. I watched the right three seconds. That's for sure. I literally tuned in after doing the Indy 11 game on Saturday night, got home, turned on the TV, and I'm literally watching as Jimmy Butler is fouled, and they determine, hey, we called that a two, that's supposed to be a three. And then that dude calmly sinks all three free throws, and then remarkably, the Celtics still win, and then somehow, the Heat go to Boston and crush them. Because just as you're not supposed to be in the series when you're down 3-0, you're also then supposed to just, to go Mike Tyson on you, fade off into Bolivian when you then give up games 4, 5, and 6, and you're going back home. That series was bananas. So I'll be tuned into the NBA playoffs and tuned into the NBA finals. You want to talk about that? We certainly can talk about those things as well. From a Colts perspective, Obviously, I talk a lot about the Colts during the course of the season. Not exactly anything news-breaking new just yet, but I'll actually be able to kind of lay eyes on the team and whatever value you put in off-season workouts. Just talking about that with JB as we had a line change here uh, from the noon program to this one. said, see you on Friday. I'll actually get to go out to the complex and kind of check some things out and check out, all right, just how is the young kid progressing? And frankly, you know what guys like me are watching more than anything else? Who's getting how many reps? You know, how many first-team reps is the fourth pick in the draft getting? How many reps is the veteran backup getting? You know, are are you starting to see signs of this really becoming Anthony Richardson's team? But since I, I am fortunate enough to be the uh, preseason television voice of the Colts for two games this year. Thanks, Amazon Prime. And the post-game show host for the Colts. Um, obviously, anything Colts are in play throughout the course of the program. So there you go. That's 22 minutes of table setting. It's like the best I can do on that front. Um, again, guests, Luke Basso, new athletic director at IUPUI. Uh, Mike Broughton, All-Star Game Director for the Indiana All-Stars. Brad Hodder. Again, I'm talking to him less as my friend and less as my, um, you know, colleague, co-worker, life partner on Indy 11 television now for a decade. We're like common law at this point. Uh, but this is more of his stuffy corporate, actually where I'm, I'm amazed and think he might have actually worn a shirt and tie. 
at today's festivities. We'll keep it very professional and stuffy when he joins us during the 4 o'clock hour, I'm sure. Talking about the alma mater in college baseball and talking primarily Colts, but a variety of things with Kevin Bowen. That's what we're doing today. If you want to interact with me, 317-239-1070. Email greg at 1070thefan.com. Tweet to me, at Greg Rakestraw. Or as I always say, you know the bat phone here? Text me. That'll work too. But I'm not going to give him my phone number on the show. Just yet. The phone number that you can use is 317-239-1070. Stay tuned. Luke Basso joins us next. Greg Rakestraw filling in for JMV. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. This is your brain on drugs. Any questions? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Welcome back. It is The Ride without jmv we got plenty of tire decorations in here not enough working headphones in here so you may hear like you know me like just shuffling around like those of you watching on camera i will just like magically start to walk off camera here for a matter of moments i'll try to avoid going uh, i think i got one i'll go trying to go avoid going all jake query because when jake is on radio in the morning or jake is on tv on the isc sports network he has this habit of not caring where the microphone location is and just uh, just randomly talking. We're like, Jake, brother, microphone might be the way to go. And yes, I know we got a guest on, but I may have to be able to hear him. Now, what I can't do, though, is try to actually, let's see, those headphones start getting cranked up. They get to JMB levels, you know, because, I mean, we literally got the man a hearing aid deal and he wouldn't wear them. I'll, when he's on his day off and not listening, I'll speak about him. We actually have put together a hearing aid deal for JMV, and he would not wear them. All right. I think I can actually now hear our guest, which is why I was tap dancing until we got him lined up. So I did not plan on having this person on the program today until I found out that literally a buddy of mine was going to become the new AD at IUPUI. And as I joked in the opening segment of the show, I never really quite sure what his job was before. Now I have a good idea. It's Luke Basso that joins us now. Hello, my friend. How are you? I'm good, Greg. How are you? I'm good. Uh, Let's start with first things first. If you would, tell the listening audience how you have overcome looking like me and yet been (laughs) as successful as you have been doing whatever it is that you've done. Well, it's a suit and tie, right? I mean, that's what it is. Evil. Yes. I'm evil Greg Gregstraw because that's from the tie, so I get it. That's where it's come from. Well, the crazy thing is, is that, you know, I've rocked the beard for a better part of a year. I am now clean shaven. So <laughs> once again, I'm like Luke, if he really let himself go and, and didn't spend time uh, working out at this point. Uh, well, congratulations uh, on this. Um, I, I did not know that potentially being a college AD was in the plans for you. How did, how did this all come about? 
you know, uh, first of all, IUPUI is in a it's in a great location in a great city, and I've spent the better half of my career uh, working uh, to make the city of Indianapolis and the state of Indiana better. And when the opportunity was presented in front of me, uh, I decided to go for it. And seeing President Witten's uh, plan uh, for the transformation, getting to know Chancellor Klein. Um, and really going out and, and selling this Jags team and letting people know when they play and using it as a front door to the city of Indianapolis, it was just an opportunity I couldn't turn down. All right, so with that, you are, obviously there there is a unique transformation uh, that is, it, it is taking place. And for those that don't know, I had this spiel all prepared for 2003 when I was the voice of the Jaguars on radio. We were in the NCAA tournament. I explained to people there's no such thing as an IUPUI degree. You either get an IU degree or Purdue degree. It's always been kind of two separate campuses so to speak, but they've been merged together athletically. That is not going to be the case after this coming year. It will be IU Indianapolis. So as best you can, walk us through maybe kind of why that happened and and now what that means for you and this new job going forward. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's uh, there, there's a lot of academic reasons why why it makes sense. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head with the uh, you know IU Purdue the the combination, and you know we've seen success in other places. So rolling out the IU Indianapolis, making it one one university, one team competing under one banner, knowing it's it's IU Indy, and really giving a, a new identity to the to the downtown campus, uh, to our student athletes, and making this the the greatest experience we can for our student athletes. Uh, for for our coaches, for our athletic office, and really the people of, of, of Indianapolis. I I want this to be. I, I want people to, to fill the net, uh, the Carroll Stadium, the Coliseum, uh, the Jungle, and come out and support our student athletes. And know when you're there, you're supporting IU Indianapolis. Uh, you know, one more year IEPUI, as you mentioned, but we'll have a, a you know new logo. Uh, new gear, and, and I'm just beyond excited to be able to do this in, in, in my home city. You know, I've acclimated probably about 178 IUPUI polo shirts over the last 20 years. <laughs> do I have to get rid of all of those as of next June, Luke? Uh, the ones, yeah, the ones that don't, if the ones that just have the Jaguar on it, you're fine. Okay. Uh, but the ones say IUPUI, we got we to gotta change those out for new ones. So coming to a third world country near you, I'll be donating half my attire uh, coming up uh, about 12 months from now. You know, it, obviously, with 16, 18 programs, I've, I've lost track of, of, of how many exactly athletic teams. I'm sure you don't have that uh, off the front. But for so many people, it is, how are you doing in football? Or in this case, how are you doing in men's basketball? And men's basketball was better this year than last year. There's still a long way to go to get back to where everybody wants this to be. I guess kind of your thoughts as, as to where the program is now and, and, and the steps forward from that Crenshaw team. Yeah, so 18 teams. I do have that. There you go. Um, look, Greg, and we, you know, we've known each other for a long time now. I wouldn't have taken this position if I didn't think we could win. And, uh, you know, we with, with the state of Indiana, with the history of basketball, there's no reason why IUPUI and IU Indianapolis can't compete. Matt's had a big week in the transfer portal, picking up two uh, two guys coming in that are going to be really good. Uh, you know, the, the team hasn't been where we want them to be, but I have confidence that when I come in working with, with Matt and his staff that we're going to get it to a level uh, that we're going to compete every year at the top of the Horizon League. That's why I'm here. And, you know, even and on the women's side, I mean, Kate Bruce and her staff have done a fantastic job. Um, you know, that, that's a program that t- continues to compete. And, and look, you, you're, you're a historian of Indiana, uh, Indiana sports. And in this state, with as much basketball talent as we, come, as we have coming through it, there's no reason why we can't be at the top of the Horizon League and get top quality kids from Indiana to come to IUPUI and win basketball games. And, and that, when, I, when I went through the process, that's what I told every coach. 
Uh, I, I'm here to win. Uh, I want, I, I, I'm for sure they're all here to win. And that's the mentality we're going to have every day when I come into the athletic office that what are we doing to advance every program. But to your point, we have to advance the basketball team. And I, I know we have the right people in place to do that. Again, Luke Basso, he is the new athletic director at IUPUI. One year from now, that'll be IU Indianapolis. Joining us, Greg Rakestraw in for JMV. It's the Good Looking Club here on 93.5 and, <laughs> and 107.5 The Fan. Um, this has always been the job of the athletic director. We're frankly a lot more open about it than, say, we used to be. To me, I look at your job, and a lot of it is going to be fundraising to, to, to help, again, tr- try to revitalize programs or strengthen programs that have been really good. I, I guess just your thoughts as to just how big of a part of your job that is, Luke. Oh, I'm going to spend every day on fundraising and sponsorships. Um, and, you know, I hope that uh, we're embraced by, by the, the city of India and by the region. Um, you know, we talk about a lot, right, in the world. I used to come from, Greg, and workforce and how we need quality people uh, to stay within the state of Indiana, the city of Indianapolis. And to me, uh, there's no better way for uh, to, for companies and individuals to get involved and buy into that process right now than IUPU Athletics. Uh, we have a, a, a great student-athletes. I mean, one thing I was really impressed about during the uh, the process were, were how smart the student-athletes were and how focused and how dialed in they were. Um, and, you know, we're, we're going to go out and take the message uh, to the people and get to know them. And, and I hope uh, people buy in and, and, you know, I'm going to spend a lot of time doing that. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, season is over. I think the last team that would have competed might have been track and field. Maybe it was softball a couple of weeks ago. You know, athletes will still be on campus, but competitions don't really start back up again for about two and a half, three months. So what does June and July then look like for you before athletes kind of return in, in, in full song coming in August? Yeah, so, you know, first of all, I have to, have to really get to know the staff. Uh, I've had a couple of meetings so far, uh, but I really want to get to know everybody and, and know, uh, you know, what their strengths are and, and how we continue to improve. Uh, that, that's probably my first 30 days, get to know the coaches. Uh, but also during that time, you know, anybody that knows me, if you want to be involved, I'm going to reach out. Uh, I, I've, I've been overwhelmed by the support I've had today uh, by friends and, and former, co- uh, former coworkers and, and people around the city that really want to see this program succeed. And I'm going to be out and about talking to them, uh, telling them all about all the great things we have going on. Uh, and then we're going to get dialed in and leading up to the fall sports. And, you know, during the fall sports season, everybody's going to know when the Jags play. Uh, we're going to make sure and blast it on social media. Uh, we're going to blast it everywhere we can. You know, I'm hopefully uh, you know do this with with you and John. Maybe John will give me uh, some time and to talk about his hair and all the great things he has going on. And we'll talk about Jazz at Jags Athletics so people know what's going. I mean, if you think about it, Greg, it's you know this is great Division One experience. You can be up close and personal with the athletes, get to know the athletes. And there's no reason why we can't have success like a lot of other uh, urban schools within the United States. A couple quick things, and, and then we'll let you go. And again, you answer as long as you want to. No, you have to be quick uh, on my behalf. Um, I think about a mutual friend of ours and Andy Klein, who is the interim chancellor at IUPUI and is leaving to go to Wake Forest. I want to wish him the best of luck. He has been very supportive. But one of the things that, that he said repeatedly in both official conversations and unofficial, so to speak, conversations with me, and me being around IUPUI Athletics now for more than 20 years, there have been times where I'm not sure exactly how much Bloomington's campus wanted to support the Indianapolis campus in terms of athletics. And my guess is you probably heard that a little bit uh, over the course of the last few weeks. But I am told by many people that is not the case with Pamela Witten. So I guess with what you're comfortable to share, your thoughts on how the president of IU views athletics at what will become IU Indianapolis. 
she's all in. Uh, you know, it, uh, for, uh, she's all in for the first of all. Andy's been great to me. We got to know each other during the Horizon League uh, uh, conference tournament that we had here. We're both on the local organizing committee, and and Andy was great during the process. But and Andy is all in, obviously. Uh, but you know, Pam Witten has has been all in during the athletics process. We've had some great conversations um, about her vision and her vision is to win as well. And, you know, we want to win the right way. We're going to win the right way. And to me, it was really important to know that, that she was, uh, she was bought into the programs and she is. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm leaving a great job to come do this. And if I didn't believe um, that everybody within the IU network wasn't all in to see success at what will become IU Indianapolis, I surely didn't have to take this position. And during the interview process, uh, I, I was told, um, uh, hundreds of times uh, how how committed uh, the entire IU network is to the success of, of, of the IU Indianapolis, what will become the IU Indianapolis campus. And um, that's really, for me, that was one of the big selling points. And I look forward to, to President Witten being at games. She goes to a lot of games yep. and uh, look forward to uh, putting on shows for her so our teams are, are really successful and they can see how committed she is uh, to the program. And there has always been, and finally before we let you go, there has always been this, this conversation, oh, probably dating back to the day it was built in the early 80s, about what we now call the jungle, the IUPUI gymnasium. And obviously that was built with an NAI school in mind. And now IUPUI has been Division One for a quarter century. Um, I don't think the need is what it was 10 years ago because that's how much I believe in the Indiana Farmers Coliseum. Love that building. I think it's a great place to watch a basketball game. But I know if you had your druthers, you'd rather be playing on campus in a, in a facility that would be suitable for Division I men's basketball. It's great for the women's team. It's, it's great for volleyball. I know there are other locker room considerations and things like that you're going to be kind of wrapping your arms around too. But I guess just in your mind, a timeline to potentially – have your own facility for all three of those teams on campus. You, you know, Greg, right now I am just 100% focused on getting people uh, to the jungle for women's games uh, and getting people to the Indiana Farmers Coliseum for men's games. Um, as other stuff comes along, I'll, I'll focus on that. But right now, head down, totally focused on uh, the, the next season, on giving as many people as I can, stu- whether it's students or people in the community, to both those venues to check it out. Uh, that, that's where my focus is now. That is a tremendous political answer. Your background is going to serve you well, my friend. Now, now, a lot of times, this is where I, I say goodbye and hang up, and I say something nice about you uh, on the air before we go to break. But because of our friendship, I'm going to say it while you're listening to me. I am so happy that you got this job. And again, I have had, if not a full-time relationship, then somewhere more than a part-time relationship. People like Ed Holdaway and, and IUPUI basketball and other sports and I'm getting goosebumps thinking about this. I'm as excited about IUPUI athletics as I have been in some time because I believe in you. I think you're going to do a phenomenal job. You know I'm here to help and support in any way possible. Congratulations, my friend. I look forward to working with you, if not on a daily basis, then on more, and then on a more regular basis. Congratulations, buddy. I appreciate it. That, that means the world to me. And go Jags, and I can't wait to see you again. You got it, buddy. Luke Basso, again, he is the new director of athletics at IUPUI. And in one year from now, that will be IU Indianapolis. And he is joining us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. 
Great hire by the folks at IU and the folks at IUPUI. We'll take this quick time out. We'll go from talking about college basketball to guys that a week from now will be playing, well, college basketball, the Indiana All-Stars. Their game director is Mike Broughton. It is a very busy week. It is about to commence on Sunday, and I'll be able to chronicle most of the action for you on the ISC Sports Network. More on that in a moment. Greg in for JMB on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Now you listen here. He's not the Messiah. He's a very naughty boy. Now go away. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, James. Now, James is, is instructing our intern that is here, who I know from the University of Indianapolis. I have now blanked his first name. Nathaniel. Thank you, Nathaniel. I work with you like on a regular basis. Well, you know, one of our because um, you worked on Bob's show, right? Exactly. So I know Nathaniel. I'm an intern. He he, he works here too. He's got a key card and everything. Um, their two ages combined like equal mine. So not uh, in a little Rob Zombie that was just played out of the break there, um, but the movie clip that was played. What was that movie clip from? Oh, it's not um, it's not uh the the House of a Thousand Corpses or the other movie, he, uh, Devil Devils Three or whatever. Well, that, that, that was not a zombie movie. No, I mean, you're you're talking about zombie movies. I'm talking about the the movie that the movie clip that was played leading into the Rob Zombie song. Oh, 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 okay. Yes. Not, yeah, a, oh, not a Rob Zombie. I got movie, you. Yes. I got you. Life of Brian uh, from Monty Python. Very well. Now, does it say that on the computer? Or do you know that off the top? Oh, of I know head? that off the. I mean, I okay. made that rejoinder. Now, but. my question is: Do you think John knows that movie? I don't know. <laughs> I would because hope I will he does. hear you play Monty, and obviously he's in the age group. I'm mm-hmm. in the age bracket as well. That's why I bring that up. Mm-hmm. But every time I hear you play that, when John's here, I'm like, I'm not sure if John strikes me as a Monty Python type of fella. <sighs> he enjoys a good rib every now and mm-hmm. again, but I'm not sure Monty Python is his speed. I would hope. I'm I, not sure he's here for the silliness. I would hope he at least likes Holy Grail. Well, who doesn't? I mean, my goodness. So, okay. <laughs> Well, well played by you. Thank you. I'll, I'll, I won't give you any grief or anything, at least in the next 15 minutes. Awesome. Back to the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. This poor guy's going to be seeing way too much of me over the course of the next week, but he does that every week during the course of the high school basketball season. It is all-star season for Indiana basketball with games Sunday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. And Saturday, um, kind of uh, ending the series the right way at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. He is my friend. He is my coworker. He is the director of the Indiana All-Stars. It is Mike Broughton. Hello, Coach. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? It sounds like you guys were talking about things. I think I'm more Clint Eastwood. I'm not sure. I think I fall way back. <laughs> I, I, I'm with you on Eastwood. We're we're all good uh, <laughs> on that front. Um, I'm not sure people know the amount of work that you put in year-round or at least from the start of a basketball season to get to this point. How are you feeling a week out? Well, we're, I think we got everything in order. In fact, today was busy. We wrote the script today, which – is a few hours. Went to Indianapolis with uh, Tony and rewrote the script and then uh, was over with the Pacers and Gamebridge and we walked around the field house and, you know, it just smells like the All-Star Week. It's coming and uh, we're really looking forward to 
getting back to Gamebridge and hopefully have a great crowd because we have a really good team this year and the girls and the boys. All right. It has been four years through a combination of COVID and construction that you have played this game, at least that the Indiana version versus Kentucky at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. So you, you've referenced it already, but could you just put into words what it means to be back there and, and kind of play this game at such an NBA all world level facility? Well, Southport was great to help us out. We were in trouble, and the NCAA has so many different rules that we ended up having to go to Southport. We were kind of hoping to move it to Hinkle for those years, and we weren't able to do it through the NCAA. But going back to Gamebridge, you know, it's a fantastic place to play. I think the kids, no matter what high school they played at or no matter where they played at, they get a little nervous when they walk in there on Saturday. And I was telling the girls' all-star team at practice a couple weeks ago that – You know, you walk in there, unless you play in the NBA, there's really no college game like this because we got the DJs playing and it's a fever pacer atmosphere. And I said, I don't think you'll get to do that unless you make it to the top level. So I hope they have a good time. But uh, it'll be fantastic for the kids. And I know the Kentucky kids as well. They're kind of awestruck when they come in. All right. So with that, again, people tend to think of, well, there's the game in Kentucky. That's the sports center in Owensboro. There's the game in Indianapolis. And as you just know, that I just learned that's going to be at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. But there's the junior, junior game in Jeffersonville. There's the junior, senior game coming up next week, too. So kind of walk me through the full week of activities you've got set up. Well, on Sunday, June 4th, we go to Jeffersonville, and our Indiana juniors, our junior all-star team, will play the Kentucky all-star team. And, of course, this year our all-star, our juniors are kind of led by Flory Badunga, who's kind of a national name. And so we play at Jeffersonville at 2 o'clock and 4 o'clock on Sunday, June 4th. And then uh, – we, have, we start camp at Marion with the seniors on June the 6th. And on June the 7th, we go to Cathedral High School, and we're going to have our juniors, our Indiana uh, all-star juniors, play our Indiana seniors in a game so we can get our seniors ready to go to Owensboro on Friday. So, like you said, we'll be together a lot, and there's a lot of basketball going on. And then also on Saturday for the first time, uh, the first time ever, At noon on Saturday, our best freshmen, sophomores, and juniors, some of the best ones, maybe not all of them, but some of them, and the girls and the boys are going to play at noon and 2 o'clock in a futures game. And we're trying to sell the best of the past, the present, and the future. And the futures game is, again, at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. The girls at noon, the boys at 2 on uh, Saturday, June 10th, and then, of course, the All-Star game that evening. A couple things that, from, from that, that that jump out to me. First of all, you referenced Flory Badunga, and this young man has been in this state for less than two years. But I also know how important he is treating this and how much he wants to play for Indiana, frankly, how much he wants to win Mr. Basketball this year. You've been around this state in this game for a long time. Your thoughts about the way that, that this place has adopted him, but frankly, the, he, the way he has adopted this place every bit as much. I mean, I think he's a kid. I've talked to him only once, but I think he's a young man that appreciates, appreciates Indiana high school basketball about as much as any kid I've ever met. And it's new to him. 
everything's kind of new, and he's going to have a fantastic career. I mean, he's uh, got NBA written all over him, but he really wants to be part of this high school series. He wants to be part this year with the juniors. It's going to make our seat. It's going to make it a little harder on our seniors by, by the juniors, and I know it's going to be making it hard on the juniors at Kentucky. But he all, he just wants to be involved in all the activities that lead up to possibly next year him being Mr. Basketball. It's refreshing. You know, there's so many other things going on for kids today, but he's really centered on what Indiana High School is about, and he loves it. And that's I think he kind of will Kokomo to runner-up because of his – kind of love for basketball, love for the state of Indiana. And you and I were impressed by him in the state finals, and the word is he has gotten nothing but better in terms of working on areas where he knew he had to expand his game, and he has done that already in the spring AAU circuit. The other young man I wanted to point out, because you touched on bringing back past Mr. and Miss Basketball, to kind of have all the generations represented of this game, there was one uh, f- former All-Star that you had no problem bringing back because his grandson is playing for the team. What's it like having Billy Keller uh, back involved? His grandson is Luke Almodovar from Noblesville, going to play at St. Francis. Uh, it's so cool that Billy is coming back for this. Kind of your thoughts on that. Well, I've, I've contacted him twice down in Florida, and, and uh, he is so excited to come back, partly because of his uh, grandson, but also partly because – you know, he is kind of the Pacers. He is Indiana high school basketball. He won a state championship. He won ABA championships. And uh, I think he's about as excited as any kid I got, to be honest, to come back. And uh, we're also, he, he doesn't know this, but we're also going to have him uh, open the boys game, giving the basketball to the referee. And we're going to honor the six Mr. and Miss basketballs that we have highlighted. They're going to sign autographs from four to five o'clock. And we have this, fantastic little poster that we had uh, people in the IBCA draw up of their past pictures of when they played, Denny Brady, uh, Humes, uh, Judy Warren. So we have these pictures of the past. And so from four to five, you come in the door. We got a free throw shoot with uh, Hoosier Shooting Academy for a T-shirt. All you got to do is hit a free throw. Shouldn't be hard for a lot of the kids. And then they can go over and the six alls past Mr. Basketballs and Miss Basketballs are going to sign a poster for them. And so we're kind of bringing all of Indiana back. We want the past. We want the present with the All-Star game. And, of course, we're bringing the future kids back, some of them only freshmen, but are really good players across the state. And so we just hope that people will jump on board and that we can sell a lot of tickets for this game. Uh, We're going to have dance cams and all kinds of different things. And, uh, uh, I think it'll be a lot of fun if uh, people want to come down on Saturday the 10th and see these high school kids in action. You can see all the best players across the state on that Saturday. All right, best way to get tickets, whether it's for Jeffersonville on Sunday, Cathedral on Wednesday, or the Fieldhouse on Saturday, best way to get tickets for each of those venues. Okay, at Jeffersonville, uh, you just go down the day of the game and they're selling tickets. You don't need uh, any fancy computers or phones. It's $10 to watch the girls and the boys play at Jeffersonville. First game's at 2 o'clock on Sunday. And then on Wednesday, the same thing. It's a $10 ticket for the two games at Indianapolis Cathedral High School. I think it's going to be great. There's only 900 seats, and we hope we fill them all plus a little bit. And then, uh, of course, at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, the 317-917-2727 is the box office. 
and you can contact them there. And uh, we've done a, I think right now we're probably a little ahead of what we've been in the past, but we would like to really step it forward. Uh, we got some great futures games again with Flory and some uh, Benner that's going to Purdue. Yep. We got some of the top players. And then, of course, the All-Star game, we got Booker going to Michigan State, Burton, who's Mr. Basketball, and then, of course, Layla Hall's going to North Carolina. So I think it's going to be fantastic. If you're a basketball fan, we'd love for you to be there. Mike, as always, buddy, thanks for the time. And, again, I'll be seeing you at uh, pretty much every venue the next week. Thanks for the time, my friend. I'll see you soon. You take care of yourself, and thanks for supporting us. Really appreciate it. You got it. Mike Broughton again joining us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Uh, We, as in ISC, will be streaming the doubleheader from Jeffersonville, the doubleheader from Cathedral, the doubleheader in Owensboro, and the last two games at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. So we will cover everything other than the two Futures games. The reason we're not doing the first two is that we got like three events next Friday. We, we, are, we are literally out of human beings and equipment. So we're going to focus on the last two. So you'll see me on my social media, post links. All the games are pay-per-view. The six games in Indiana, a chunk of that pay-per-view revenue will go back to the Indiana Basketball Coaches Association. So you are helping the cause of this game if you're watching these games online. But I'll be the first to tell you, go buy a ticket. You can always go back and watch our broadcast later. We'll do a great job covering the action, but go buy a ticket. It'll be worth your time. And again, it's it's not just a walk back through history. It's a really good look at what's happening now, which is damn good basketball in our state on both the girls' side and the boys' side. Uh, I easily make the transition from basketball to soccer. I normally do that in the month of March to early April. We'll do that from the 3 o'clock hour to the 4 o'clock hour when we come back. On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies jamming out to something new and everything in between the ride with jmv i love jmv he looks like rascal flats guy got a cool soul patch he does and a buttery smooth voice oh yeah 93.5 and 107.5 the fan stick with what you know i did a segment about iupui athletics did a segment about high school basketball you knew soccer was going to mix in there right I want to thank the Indy 11 for giving me a pretty easy excuse to talk about soccer on the show today. Greg Rakestraw filling in for JMB here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. You know, like breaking ground on a long-awaited new stadium, one that will be ready for the club's 12th season of play on the men's side, we hope, by April of 2025. Here to answer the most difficult questions I can think up, much like trivia that we would have during our broadcast, you may know him as Brad Hodder, as in uh, my broadcast partner for life on Indy 11 broadcasts, uh, legitimately like one of my best friends, uh, but also like professional soccer player and longtime coach of both Rose Holman and DePaul. That's like the night and weekend job or the past tense now for Brad. These days, his primary responsibility 
is as the director of club growth and marketing for the Indy 11. And so I would say today was a very big day for him and for the remainder of his working days with the Indy 11. How's that sound, my friend? <laughs> I cannot believe it. it. It feels like it's Christmas morning. Um, obviously, you know, you have been attached to this like I have uh, over the course of now the last nine years. Over the course of, say, the last seven or eight months, this has become something you think about for five to 10 to 15 hours a week to something you might think about literally 24-7, 365. I realize the end goal is 22, 23 months away. But to know that that, that, that countdown is officially ticking as of now, what does that mean to you? It's so incredibly exciting. You know, as a guy who grew up in Indianapolis, you know, did my – middle school, my high school, my college uh, time in Indy and, and love this city and to see what 11 Park is going to bring to downtown Indianapolis. I mean, we're going to talk the soccer aspect of it, but there is so much more to 11 Park than just the stadium and the soccer aspect. What struck you about the uh, ceremony today? And it's, it's it's just to kind of get things kickstarted. It's just to kind of grab everybody's attention locally. And I know that job was completed successfully, but in terms of atmosphere, attitude, things said, anything that will kind of you know, when you think back to this day, however long ago you know, it's, it's going to be, uh, that they'll kind of come to the forefront of your memory? Just surreal. Absolutely surreal. You know, you and I have been around this club for a decade now, and the talk of a stadium, the talk of pro soccer, the, you, know, you look at the, the women's pro, the, the Super League team that, that we've just acquired. You look at the pro academies. You look at all of this stuff, and, you know, you hear buzzing about what Indy 11 is going to be doing on a, and not just a league-wide, but, you know, on a, on a bigger scale. And the stadium has always kind of been that hum in the back of your head because we've, you know, we've heard about it for a long time. You know, COVID hit right when it started ramping up last time. And then you're sitting in there and you're look. I don't, have you seen the video? Did you see the video? I saw the video. You did a good job on that. Oh my goodness. You sit there and you're looking at this thing and you're just absolutely blown away in, in the surreal feel like 10 years of working on this and towards this is actually coming to fruition. And let's face it, you know, it, it, it shows just how solidly soccer has has made it. We still hope for continued growth. But if you have, an, and again, of, of like, you know, like one-tenth of a percentage of people have the understanding that you do, having lived this life playing indoor soccer and then playing the early stages of Division Two, Division Three outdoor soccer, you know, in, in the mid to late 90s, but for a, a club that has a first division women's program coming up in two years, but there's no guarantee the Indy 11 could play in Major League Soccer. We wouldn't be against it. But if not, they'll play in the USL Championship. But to have, have a, a something that doesn't have, again, that guaranteed MLS buy-in, but yet this 20,000-seat venue with, yes, all of the office and all the business and all of the residential that, that will go along with it. But to have a venue for a club that doesn't necessarily have that MLS carrot, or is not threatening to say, hey, we can't keep our LMS team if you don't build this for us. To me, this is, this is quite the development, not just in Indianapolis, but in the general kind of American soccer landscape. Your thoughts on that? Well, I think you're 100% right with it. And I think the other aspect is everything that goes around the stadium. You know, soccer is a game that once you experience it, and you, you're even if you don't really fully, you know, I think that the newcomer is still trying to grasp offsides. And so you've got the, the newbie that's coming into it, and then you've got the, the people that have grown up in the game. But when you're sitting in there and there's the chanting and there's the passion and there's the energy, it's hard to not fall in love 
with the game of soccer. So now it's how do you introduce more people to it? You take a look at everything that's going into 11 Park, from hotels, from office spaces, to retail, to restaurants, you know, to apartments. Now there's no excuse for all of these people not to at least just take a look at it. And once you look at it, you fall in love. What has been the feedback so far? Because again, let's face it, the the, the, the pictures, the visuals, you know, have been there in some form or fashion for seven, eight, nine years. Obviously, this has been much more solidified over the course of the last few months. And, and we will see those pictures turn into reality between now and April of 2025. But the feedback that you have gotten from really the last, say, three or four months until now, what has that feedback been like? Well, I don't think there's anybody that looks at the renderings and says, oh, you could have done better. You know, I think it's an absolute home run. And, you know, when you look at social media today, the, you know, the comments on this, it, it's, it's mind-blowing, the excitement in this city right now. Again, Brad Hodder, he is, well, you know him from television radio with me and on Soccer Saturday on this radio station. But again, the day job would be as the vice president of marketing and club growth of the Indy 11. And he joins us here, almost said Soccer Saturday. Uh, Greg Rakestraw filling in for JMV on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. All right. I know you're a soccer expert. I know you're a marketing expert. You're actually an expert on farming. That's a conversation for a different day. You're not a construction guy. Maybe like of some sort of goat ranch, you literally could construct that, but but you're not a construction guy. So I'm asking you a construction question. I understand that. So, uh, so now what? Uh, what are the next 23 months like as we are ramping up to playing in 11 Park and early as early as possible in 2025? Yeah, nobody wants me involved in the construction conversation. <laughs> Trust me on that. Um, and with it, there's so much that goes into it from just understanding, you know, permits and, and uh, all that stuff. I, I That is so far out of my wheelhouse. I don't even know the timeline on, on when things go down and when things start to go up. Um, all I know is, you know, we're looking at 2025. We've got two years to try and get this. It'd be an absolute dream, Rake, if we're kicking off the 2025 season in the new venue. But I don't know everything that goes along the lines to, to build to that point I, I guess from a standpoint of in in the office internally now that again shovels in the dirt it's, it's no longer a matter of of of, of if it's going to be a matter of when and, and even we know when that end date is going to be because frankly we've kind of been in, in in that mode as you've said kind of from from the, from the pandemic on how does this change the day-to-day operations of, of this club that's going to be really interesting because, you know, one of the things when you're in the, the competition business, which we are, is the day-to-day grind on trying to be better and win that next day, win that next moment, win that next game is 24-7. I mean, the, the energy and the, the work never turns off. Everything, you know, this has been great. This has been a great uh, day, great energy, great positivity. But I got to tell you, we got Charleston. Uh, Charleston Battery that we're playing on Friday. We've not lost our focus on that. And our women have their home opener Friday night against Racing Louisville. So, you know, <laughs> you can only take a moment to stop and, and smell the roses and look at that rendering and watch that video so long. And then it's back to work. we got to win. All right, let me kind of walk people through. Um, so this is kind of like the broadcast. Brad's going to be quiet for a little while, and I'm going to explain some things. Then Brad will try to say something smart about it on the back hey, end of it. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Just a second ago, I thought I got named VP of Soccer Saturday. You know, you were vice president of um, club marketing and growth. Oh. You, you, are, you are occasionally – occasionally is the key word there, an invited guest on Soccer Saturday. Gosh. 
and gotcha. and there is a, a a pretty good chance that this conversation will re-air on Soccer Saturday, just so you know, right here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. So as I was saying, the U- and, and Brad alluded to the Indy 11 women's team. They play in the W League. That is a, a pre-professional league that are, that are players that are still in college, just graduated with college. A lot of players that, that on, on this year's team have had previous professional experience looking to kind of get back into the pro ranks um, or – um, are, are trying to use this as a springboard to debut as pros. That's the, that's the level the Indian women are playing at now. That's the USLW League. The hope is, to, not the hope, they're going to play in the Super League. The hope is that that begins in August of 2025. And again, of note, that is the FIFA calendar. That is going to be an August through May league. I'm sure there will be a winter break. I'm sure there's going to be some creative scheduling involved in there. So we're not trying to play matches when it's eight below zero, potentially, uh, on a given Saturday um, in January. It's now been a couple of weeks since that news has come out because literally you have packed like a year's worth of news into three weeks for the Indy 11. Um, What has the feedback been like in terms of now knowing what the path is going to be for women's professional soccer in this city? Unbelievably exciting. I mean, you look at the the Super League from the USL, first division status. So it's the top tier of professional soccer for women in the United States. And when you look at our W League team, we're we're 3-0, 12 goals for, zero goals against. Um, We've got, like you mentioned, we've got some players on there that have pro experience. I think if you're a player on our W League team, you're saying, I really like this. I like this experience. How can I continue to grow here in this club? So I'm sitting in that driver's seat when the the Super League team pops up in, you know, 2024, 2025. I want to be in that mix. I want to be on that roster. And again, the the Super League is a Division I league. It is not the NWSL. And again, that, I realize, is more of a USL question. Frankly, the fact that it is a Tier 1 league is what was so appealing to the Indy 11. Um, Your thoughts on on August through May. Um, In one case, Brad, again, it kind of helps us from a scheduling standpoint with having the Indy 11 men and the 11 women uh, playing in the same venue. For you and I, it gives us 12 months a year of soccer to talk about. That's not a bad thing. But uh, you, you've played some cold outdoor matches. You've coached in some cold outdoor matches. Your thoughts on the unique nature of that August to May schedule they're about to embark on? Those cold matches, they, they toughen you up. A lot of men <laughs> toughen you up into those. Does that work, yeah, does, does that work for fans as well? It toughens them up too? Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I love the fact that, you know, we can be working off of a 12-month soccer calendar. You know, I think it's important on the scheduling aspect of, you know, we were in Lucas Oil. There were times we couldn't have a weekend game or a a Saturday-Sunday game because of something that was going on in in that venue. Having our own venue and having teams that kind of overlap just a little bit season-wise is fantastic. You look at concerts, you look at other things that we can bring into the venue, and it spaces it out as opposed to, hey, be a really heavy usage in six months and then kind of dormant the rest of the time all right so uh, for any time you have news that that is like this and again the team has been around now for over 10 years uh the team has been this is our 10th season from a men's standpoint second season from a women's standpoint um but there are people that literally might be hearing about the indy limit for the first time not on this radio program but you're gonna be on the the top of every newscast across the city tonight because of, of this construction project and, again, what it will add to downtown Indianapolis. If somebody calls your office and says, hey, I, I just heard about the Indy 11, after you get over that initial shock, 
what are you telling them ab- ab- about this team, this club, this franchise going forward? Well, I, you know, you, you mentioned some of the announcements we've had in the last week from the Super League team, the women's pro team, to the pro academies. We have put in place something for everyone. So we've got, you know, we've got soccer at the highest level of professional for both men and women. And we have all of the steps. I mean, we're invested in club programs on the rec level throughout the state. We've got 16,000 kids across the state of Indiana that we are investing in to help them grow the game and to help them grow the love of the game all the way up to the pro academy. So no matter where you are in that ladder of soccer, enthusiasm, passion, knowledge, we've got something for you. Again, the Indy 11 break ground on 11 Park. That happened as of about five hours ago. Big day for soccer, a big day for downtown Indianapolis, and a big day for Brad Hodder, who joins us now. Now, you were concerned about me asking you two difficult questions. How did I do in those 15 minutes? Is that okay? Um, yeah. You did good. You did good. You're a pretty good interviewer. I pre- well, thank you. I think I have some years of practice at this. Um, I also know Brad's you know, preferred attire is more on the casual side. What was the decor for you today at the groundbreaking? What'd you wear? I was dying. I was dying. I was in a suit. It was 90 degrees out there. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm used to, from my coaching job and from my playing job, I'm used to elastic waistbands. This belt and, and dress shoe stuff, that's weird for me. Thankfully, you're still a full-time farmer, so you work out. So you're still skinny as all get out, uh, e- right. even barreling towards 60 uh, as you are. Um, you know I'm happy for everybody. Um, cause I've, obviously I'm, 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 I'm to some degree a part of the team, uh, but I'm happy for so many, for, for, to some degree, uh, for, for, I'm happy for you. I'm happy for so many people uh, that have been involved in this over the course of the last 10 years. And I realize it has only just begun and we will have more conversations like this for the next 23 months, but especially when the spring of 2025 rolls around, uh, I'm seeing you Friday night at Grand Park, correct? Correct. I'll be there. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, pal. Bye-bye. Brad Hodder, again, you know him from Channel 23 and Wish TV and Soccer Saturday and DePaul University. But uh, these days, he's got a full-time fancy job as the director of uh, marketing club growth for the Indy 11. If you want to talk to me about 11 Park, we can certainly do that. Brad knows more about it than I do. Um, I know that, that I can't wait for that day a couple of years from now. And I know the importance of what it means for the team. I know the importance of what it means for the growth of women's professional soccer in this country to have a second league as an option to be able to play. Uh, I'm curious about, um, uh, and and you can hear it in my voice when a couple, three different conversations I've had about it. I'm curious about the, the August to May schedule. Again, there's, there's what it means for me more soccer 12 months a year. And I, I've, I've been in the soccer 12 months a year business because of hosting a weekly soccer radio show since March of 2014. I love the fact that more local players are going to get a chance to play professionally. I like that. Um, I like the fact there's more places to live downtown, more, more hotel space downtown, another great venue downtown. I am for all those things because of the other events that it will bring to the city of Indianapolis as well. So I'm in favor of all of those things. So today was a good day, whether you're a soccer fan or not, for downtown Indianapolis. 317-239-1070 is telephone number, at Greg Rakestraw on Twitter. Email as me with me as well, greg at 1070thefan.com. Before we get to our next time out, 
A little bit of news from college basketball. And because of the Indiana ties to this program and because of the Cinderella nature of their team, uh, a lot of folks locally adopted Florida Atlantic as their March sweethearts. Well, the player from the state of Indiana, John L. Davis, former Indiana All-Star, didn't get to play for the team because that was the 2020 class that did not get to have an All-Star game because of the pandemic. He just announced that he is going back to Florida Atlantic for one more year. So, too, is Elijah Martin. And a lot of folks are saying now that the Owls, coached by the pride of Greene County in Dusty May, could be a top 10 team next year. Hey, they were a top four team this year. Why wouldn't they be a top 10 team with key pieces coming back? So John L. Davis of Gary 21st Century Academy, going to go back to FAU for one more year, Uh, will not enter the NBA draft. Today is decision day. Are you staying? Are you going? And obviously there's another person slightly taller than Nelly that we'll try to update you on as best we can. 317-239-1070 at Greg Rakestraw on Twitter. Again, you can also email the show Greg at 1070thefan.com. When we come back, it's been a good couple of weeks for college baseball. I rattled off the Division One teams that are playing in the postseason. Taylor, Indiana, Wesleyan represented the Crossroads League in the state of Indiana in the NAIA World Series out in Idaho. But there's a D2 team that is also qualified for the World Series. They happen to be a alma mater. And I've got not one but two interesting stories to share with you next on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. They call me Cuba I'm the king of a rumba beat. When I play the maracas, I go chick chicky boom chick chicky boom. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Greg Rakestraw in for JMV. It is 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. John, of course, got Monday off as part of the holiday. Got yesterday off. Brian No filled in. You're stuck with me as a substitute teacher today. John is back tomorrow on the program. Now, um... For the last, oh, let's see. I, I think I rattled the stat off earlier. For This is the 10th year in a row that I have done the Indy 500 post-race show on the fan and on 93 WIBC. Well, the five years before that, perhaps I would have been available, but I was usually otherwise spoken for on Memorial Day weekend. I was in Cary, North Carolina at the USA Baseball Training Center doing the NCAA Division II World Series for NCAA.com. One of those five years I did that, I was lucky enough that the alma mater, the University of Indianapolis, qualified for that event. Unfortunately, the Hounds went 0-2 the last time that they went down. But I have a feeling that uh, this time it's going to be a little bit different. This team has caught fire as of late. And, you know, I always, even though I don't do a talk show on a full-time basis now, always kind of formulate things as a talk show host in my head. So, man, if I have a chance to talk about this team Man, there's a couple of really good stories I can sink my teeth into. 
One, I've known one of the key players on this team, well, before he knew who I was, because I've known his mom and dad for the better part of the last 10 to 15 years. The other guy, well, he's stuck sharing the same last name as me. When your last name is Rakestraw, and we are not related, by the way, maybe we are, we'll find that out here coming up in a matter of moments, but when your last name is Rakestraw and you run another Rakestraw, it's like you're part of a family reunion, whether you think you're related or not. You start you know, like comparing notes. Hey, where are you from? Hey, who you know? Hey, who have you met before? Well, for the first time, because he's been on campus now for four years, we've never still met in person, but having a conversation for the first time, his name is Adam Rakestraw, and he joins us now. It's good to have the Rakestraw on the show. Adam, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Let it's me get... wild to be talking to another race. <laughs> <laughs> How often does this happen in your life, by the way? Uh, I think before this, it's happened maybe one other time ever. So, um, so you've been on campus now for four years. How long did mm-hmm. it take for somebody to ask if you knew me or were related to me or potentially might have been like my kid? Uh, I'm pretty sure it was the first week I got on campus. I was asked if I was your kid. Well, first of all, I'm sorry uh, that that was the case. Um, <laughs> is your dad Darren, by the way? Is that your dad? Yes, he okay. is. Okay, so, because I'll see him pop up on Twitter, so so he and I have interacted yep. beyond, on, on social media on, on that front. Yep. Uh, so my apologies to your actual dad uh, that, that that was the case. <laughs> but were, now, were you recruited by, by Gary Vaught, or were you an already recruit for these last four years? I was an already recruit, so just as he was coming in, that's when I that's when I was recruited here. And that is the current head coach, and uh, and I'll talk to him at some point in time later this weekend when I'm filling in for for Bob Lovell. But I reference Gary because Gary was the coach for 25 years. Gary was literally the coach that began my freshman year. So my freshman year, new Indy, new AD, new baseball coach, new football coach. Timing was very serendipitous for me because that group then was there seemingly forever. Um, you know, when I would come back to campus. So you are. A from Cincinnati, why was you Indy the right place for you? Um, it really, it had to do with uh, a couple of things. It was my major uh, being a business administration, the distance from home, and then the ability to play. So I was fielding some other offers and trying to make the tough decision about going to a bigger school, a smaller school, or somewhere in the middle. And it kind of all just came together and this was the right place. It's about an hour 45 from home, so it kind of just made sense with all the all the variables adding up. I caught wind from some of my UND friends that, hey, there's a rake straw on the team uh, when you were a freshman, and I looked you up, and your number was somewhere in the 60s. Um, you, get to, <laughs> you get to your second year, you get to make one start the entire year. Last year, kind of a part-time player. Things must be going better for you because now you're wearing number five. They normally give those single digits to number to guys that are actually going to play. What changed for you this year in your fourth year on campus? Uh, it really was just confidence. So coming in, basically having nothing left to lose, like knowing it's my last year uh, with future plans, and uh, just being confident. Uh, and then also just like the culture with every guy here. We all got each other's backs, and everyone is playing for each other and not for themselves. So I think that really helped everybody just come together this year. Most successful seasons do not begin by starting 1-10 in conference play. Now, this was against other really good teams and the teams that would make the postseason. You guys got off to a great non-conference start. First three conference weekends went haywire. How did you and your teammates turn it around by the time you got to April? So – 
Coach Reddy always talks to us before the year about there being three seasons, the uh, non-conference, conference, and then the postseason. Uh, and the previous years, we've kind of stumbled in the non-conference, came back with the conference, and then postseason has been up in the air. But this year, we started off hot in the non-conference uh, and then had a fall at the very beginning of the conference against some good teams. And honestly, I think that is what helped us like later in the postseason because – you see some of these good teams just dominate the regular season, and then they're kind of caught off guard if a game doesn't go their way in the postseason. And then getting over that hump early in the early in the year and getting that out of the way, I think, helped with the maturity of our team. It has been a full-on revenge tour for the Greyhounds. They won at Illinois Springfield, league foe in 11 innings, then swept Maryville, league foe, by combined 9- and 10-run margins. Then the way that then this is somewhat new for Division Two. To have kind of a, but and it mirrors Division One. You have a super regional round where it's just you and other team playing a best two out of three. You had to go to play at Quincy, who was ranked number five or number six in Division Two. You won a couple of close games on the road at their building last weekend. What was that experience like for you and your teammates? Uh, it was just the most rewarding experience we've had all season. I mean. We saw them for one game in the conference tournament. Uh, it was a really close game, and they got the better end of it, but we knew we were going to see them again, and that's kind of what we put up on our bulletin board. Uh, we're going to be seeing these guys again, and not to look too far ahead in the future, but uh, just to be focused on that matchup and uh, ready to tackle it was our main goal. I've, I've made a trip or two to Quincy, Illinois. I know that can be a long bus ride home if you don't win. When you win, it's quite the opposite. What were those five hours like coming back to Indianapolis last weekend? <laughs> that was the fastest bus ride we've ever had, I think. <laughs> that was a good one. All right, so uh, I-, I talked briefly on that. I've been to Cary a few times. I love that building. You guys are flying out tomorrow. Um, what what ha- what do you expect for this experience? Well, I-, I know you expect to win. That that part's a given. I get that, and there's some of the teams that feel the exact same way you do. But in terms of just the setting the place, the trip, what you've been told, what, what are you thinking about heading in? Uh, I've been told uh, and by our coaches and the people who have been there or at least watched a lot of it that it's just all about celebrating and competing. So I think we're all just looking forward to uh, getting to go. It's a dream of every baseball player that plays in the NCAA to go to a World Series, no matter the division. And uh, I think we're just going to try to enjoy it as much as we can and play as hard as we can. It's going to be we think a similar environment to Quincy as far as the crowd and everything, but just treating it like any other game and playing our best and having fun is what we hope to do. Now, I know eligibility-wise, you are a junior because of the COVID year. Are you planning to come back for one more year, or is four years enough for you? I am not. So, yeah, that's that's been a hot topic discussion around here, especially after we went on this run. Uh, and so, as, as you know, I'm from Cincinnati, and my plan – throughout all of college was to go to law school next year. So uh, I was accepted into the University of Cincinnati Law School, and that's where I'm going to be going next year. So who knows? But as of right now, that's my plan. We got ourselves a smart Rakestraw for once on this program. <laughs> I like this. Uh, Greg Rakestraw filling in with Adam Rakestraw. Again, first for me. Again, we are not related that we know of uh, here on 93.5 and 107.5, the fans. So, all right, um, the the only other Rakestraw that you have talked to would be where and whom? Where were they from? you remember? Uh, I actually didn't even speak to them. Uh, I remember seeing on some summer ball trip during my high school career, I think down somewhere down south, maybe uh, Mississippi. I'm not sure. 
But one of those states down south, we were playing a tournament, and we just saw a rake straw construction van. So me and my dad <laughs> got out and took a picture with it, and we were like, this is awesome. Like, we thought we were alone, <laughs> but... That's probably the only time I think I've ever seen that. All right, so so here is here is the Rakestraw family lineage that I can share with you. I'll, we'll, we'll pass okay. this along. So, so it, that might have been Tupelo, Mississippi. I know of a Bill okay. Rakestraw that has worked in the radio advertising business down in down in that neck of the woods. I was broadcasting. Was it Brandon Woodruff that pitches for the Brewers? I did the American Legion World Series for four years, and he was pitching for the Tupelo team. So my name flashes up on screen. This guy's watching his hometown team. He tracks me down. And to kind of compare notes kind of like this. There is a Larry Rakestraw that was the quarterback at the University of Georgia. My dad's not Larry Rakestraw, not that one. So anytime that I okay. do like any sort of conversation with somebody down south, people ask, are you Larry Rakestraw? So I go, why, yes, I am. <laughs> and my dad happens to be from Alabama, uh, but, it's, but yeah. it's not that one. There are Rakestraws that I'm not related to that live here in Indianapolis. I wouldn't say it's a common name, but there's a group okay. of Rakestraws that live out kind of on the west side in the Ben Davis area, and I have become Facebook friends with one of them. Uh, there was a Jeff Rakestraw that was a longtime member of the Marion County Sheriff's Department. I got a ticket. You might know this area well. Uh, kind of going too fast up 31 <laughs> slash East Street. My first year on yep. campus, they said, hey, do you know Jeff? I said, man, I wish I did. Uh, and, and I did not. <laughs> there, are, there are a series of Rakestraws that live in Kansas, and in fact, one of them was the mayor of a town in eastern Kansas. So that is my, and there are apparently rake straws up around Rochester. So there you go, more than you ever needed or wanted to know about the rake straw clan. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta study up on my rakestraw knowledge. We, I guess, we, man, I did not know any of that. <laughs> well, once you get that law school degree, you will, you'll be able to fund a rakestraw family, non-family get together, and we'll all, you know, kind of collaborate on that. Adam, it, 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 Adam, it is a pleasure to finally get to talk to you. I look forward to meeting you in person. Thanks for carrying on the family name at UND. It was nice being the best rakestraw <laughs> athlete there for twenty years. I now secede that title to you, uh, but uh, go get him this week down in Cary. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. Hope to talk to you soon. All right. You got it. That's Adam. All right. So now we're going to go from one UND player to another. Because, damn it, when the alma mater wakes the World Series, we're going to have two guests on the show. Especially when, you know, I work with both mom and dad on a regular basis. Now, why did EJ White have to go second? Well, he's the closer. He never starts the game. But he comes in now to finish off the segment. EJ, how you doing? I'm doing great, Mr. Rakestraw. Uh, <laughs> life's, life's going really, really well right now. You, you, you never have to say Mr. I appreciate the respect. Never say Mr. with me. Greg, Greg is perfectly fine. Um, I have been living vicariously through your dad's Facebook posts over these last, really the entire season, but especially these last three weeks. What has this ride been like for you? It's been nothing short of incredible. Um, if I'm being completely honest, I mean, we're, we're a really, really close group. Um, and we have been all year that since we first met back in August, uh, in one of the classrooms on campus, we, um, you know, we started off the year 13 and 0 last undefeated division two baseball team. And, uh, then we lost nine in a row and we kind of had our backs against the wall um starting off conference 0 and 8 i mean that's that's brutal and then we split our next series but one of the things we really wanted to focus on was just winning each and every week 
um, just leaving the week positive, going three and two, four and one, and uh, we, we've been doing that to this day. So it's it's been awesome. Now, part of the story for you, and obviously because of, of knowing your mom and dad for so long, and, and then you know quasi knowing you, EJ was at DePaul, but had one more year left, and wanted a, a bit of a nothing against DePaul, wanted a bit of a different experience. Why was Indy the right place for you after being in Greencastle the last few years? Well, uh, to start off, I actually I actually have two more years. I have this year and next year. My so bad. Uh, no, all good, all good. But um, you know, DePaul was a great place for me. Um, I learned a lot about myself. I I matured, and I wanted to keep on playing the game that I love. Um, I was playing in the college summer league up at Grand Park. Um, working with guys up at Pro X, Jay Lair, who's who's the best. He's the best up there. Um, and my one of my coaches was Adam Cornwell, um, our our current pitching coach at UND. And um, it was he he was always in my ear. He was helping me out left and right. And uh, he was really one of the reasons why I came to UND. Heard great things. Um, knew a lot of great players that have gone through here. So uh, I, I knew it'd be a good fit. Every bullpen needs a guy that throws from the side. That is that that EJ is that guy. I know you wanted to kind of start that in high school. That that kind of got poo pooed a little bit, and I don't want to go down that road again. Like I said, I know your dad, as you can tell. Um, but but where did that begin for you, and and why is that an effective pitch for you? Um, so it started off the summer before my senior year of high school. Um, that guy Jay Lair, I'm talking about. Um, he he kind of sat me down and was like, "All right." you want to be different? You want to play in college? I was like, yes, hundred percent. I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. Um, and, and it started off just using a towel, um, working on a lot of stretching cause you're using a lot of different muscles than you are just regular throwing over the top. Um, but I'm all about deception. Really. I, I, I used to have crazy long blonde curly hair. I wear glasses when I throw, I wear the high pants. I try to be all goofy and weird um, on the field. Just to try to mess with the hitters a little bit. Um, but I just, I love being able to just, throw different pitches that move different ways. My my whole goal as a pitcher is to make sure the batter does not see the same pitch that looks the same way. So I'm going to throw a different fastball every time. I'm going to throw a different changeup, different slider, just to kind of keep them on their heels a little bit. That's your dad coming out in you right there. Uh, for those that don't know, EJ's mom basically played on, on the predecessor of the women's national team from a soccer standpoint. Uh, mom was the Marion County Athlete of the Year at North Central. Is that right? Is that a correct statement, EJ? Yes, okay, yes, I know she played her college soccer at George Mason. Timing is everything in life. Women's professional soccer was not around her. She frankly would have played. She's that good. She's won a state title as a head coach at Burbuff, which is where EJ went to high school as well. So I, I know where the athleticism comes from. Um, <laughs> what sort of athlete was Eduardo Blanco, as he calls himself growing up? Oh, Lord. Uh, he, you know what? He loves the game more than anyone. And um, it, it's it's so awesome having both my parents support me so much. And, you know, my dad is my biggest fan, but he is also my biggest critic. So um, I appreciate him for both of those. Um, but, you know, he, he, loves, he loves baseball more than anything. And um, I think that definitely shows with all his tweets. Uh, no doubt about that. Uh, EJ White, son of Eddie White, host of the World's Greatest Post Game Show, joins us here on 93.5 and, and 107.5 The Fan. All right, why number 62? Um, it was actually just given to me. Um, I, I requested a couple numbers. I committed to UND pretty late, and they just, I just said, whatever number works. So I got 62, um, and I, I also, I don't know, I kind of like it. Not a lot of people wear 62, so it's just something else that's different about me. 
Um, but yeah, there's there's really nothing special behind 62. And I know that in talking with your dad, that you are thinking about to some degree following in mom's footsteps. The goal for you, at least a few years ago, was to work professionally in soccer and to potentially do so in the Premier League. Has that changed at all? That has not changed. Uh, I've, I mean, of course, you know, soccer's in my blood with my mom, and I, I love every little thing about soccer. Had the great opportunity to work with uh, Hope Solo uh, for two separate occasions, which was really, really cool. Um, I, I studied abroad over in England for a month. Uh, I, I absolutely love the beautiful game. Um, but yeah, I, I know you're you're a big fan as well. A little bit. I, I I know a thing or two. I'm not the player your mom was, but I know a thing. What I also know is that it's not exactly your dad's favorite sport. So every time that he would talk to me about you want to work in soccer, there was almost like this sense of resignation in his voice, even though he is obviously very very proud of you. So what you know, I, you, clearly you got one more year at UND left. We can keep working on on a master's degree. You've already graduated from DePaul. Um, you know, five, ten years from now, what's the goal? What do you want to be doing with your life in, in terms of working in soccer? So I, at my time at DePaul, uh, I took four years of Chinese. Um, so I want to kind of maybe work in the, in the Asia market a little bit because I know there's a lot of TV money, a lot of marketing deals over there. Um, so that's kind of niche uh, a little bit thing about me. But um, I, I want to I be over in England. I want to work in sports. Um, that's of course my goal now. And I know it'll be a long, uh, a long adventure to get there, but, um, I'm looking forward to it. Of the many wonderful qualities your dad has, um, there is no work, no one that can network like that man. So I have been told that, uh, Troy Aikman gave you a congratulatory text and phone call. Lance Lynn gave you a mitt, uh, and gave you a congratulatory phone call. Anybody else from the hit parade that I'm missing at this point? Um, no, no, not really. Um, this has just all been a crazy kind of surreal moment for, for me and the, for me and the rest of the team. I mean, we, we have a bunch of really, really great guys. Um, and we have great coaching staff. We're so close. We work hard. We do the little things right. Um, and we just really enjoy being around one another. And this, this has been the best time of my life on a baseball field. And I, something I'll definitely never forget, but we're not done yet. There I'll you go. That much. We're, we're going for it all. There you go. EJ, buddy, you know I'm rooting for you wherever you're going to be playing at, but especially when you pick the alma mater. Job well done on that. Congratulations on, on the road to this point, and best of luck in carry. Safe travels tomorrow. Thank you so much, sir. It was great talking to you. You got it, yeah, buddy. Good one. You too. EJ White, again, thanks to both he and Adam Rakestraw. I feel like I'm related to them both. Good luck, Hounds, coming up in Cary, North Carolina. Their first game is coming up on Saturday night. It is a double elimination, eight teams. They play Millersville of Pennsylvania in their opening game, and you can watch all those games for free at NCA.com. Back in a moment, 93.5-1075, The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Attention, whoever you are, this channel is reserved for emergency calls only. The f- lady, do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. The musical choice here. That's like an old NFL films, like song. Like I even think like like the old NBA films would like would like steal this music. 
So I, I like I, I can like picture like Dr. J like you know swooping around. Remember the Lakers in like the '80 NBA Finals when I see this. Thanks for putting up with me, Greg Rakestraw, in for JMB. John is back tomorrow. I know Mike Chappell will be on the program tomorrow. Mitch Hannes will be on the show. So, again, I plug Mama Mater when I am here on the program. John will take care of his. Even if he spent a semester or a year at the University of Indianapolis, obviously ISU is home. And I am partial to the trees as well. Um, just because I am lucky enough to get to do a handful of athletic events for them on ESPN Plus or the radio um, these days at ISU. I had a chance to see that baseball team play a couple of times, and one of those games was just utterly ridiculous. Everything that was packed in to that game. So I did Indiana State's win against Illinois, I think on May 2nd. That was a 13-inning game. Um, Dude from Illinois, because of the way the wind was blowing out that day, there are probably trees that I would estimate are about 30 feet tall that serve as the batter's eye in center field. Dude from the Illini cleared them on one. Uh, Keegan Watts of Indiana State robbed a home run that made like a top 10 sports center play that game. Guy from, um, I think Davidson, I think is the pitcher's last name. It's been a month since I had him. But I think he threw an immaculate inning. Nine pitches, nine strikes um, in that inning. Uh, game-winning home run in the bottom of the 13th. Illinois tied it with a home run in the top of the ninth. Crazy good game. I think Indiana State set a record for um, for pitcher strikeouts in that because it was 13 in the game. I think they struck out like 20 batters in that game. It was, it was ridiculous. But Indiana State's really good, and um, I'll I'll be checking in on them. I'll be checking in on the Hoosiers. I'll be checking in uh, on Ball State. Obviously, I'll be following what my Greyhounds do from a a college baseball standpoint this weekend. I am so glad, though, that Indiana State was rewarded for what their computer ranking was, what their overall record was for winning the Missouri Valley, for the difficulty and schedule in which they have played. But I guess that when you looked at like their schedule versus like teams in the top 50, they were somewhat of a stat anomaly. They were, I guess, two and nine against that level of team. And one of those obviously being Vanderbilt, you know, you play one of the best teams in the country and you smoke them all be on a Tuesday that gets people's attention. Well, um, there's been a lot of chatter about does Terre Haute. First of all, do the Sycamores deserve a host of regional? I'm not going to try to pretend to be some sort of college baseball expert. I dabble a little bit. I guess I ended up calling, oh, between Butler, between Indiana State and the Horizon. Like I guess I did about 10 to 12 Division I games this past spring. Doesn't make me an expert. I think I know maybe more than most. Um, I love the fact that because of, of how good their record was, because of the schedule that they played and the caliber of non-conference opponents they played, they were rewarded by being given a regional. I love that fact. Um, there are those that will criticize it because they're not an SEC team. They're not a Big 12 team. They're not a Pac-12 team. Um, so I hope Indiana State wins for that reason. And there are those that will criticize the selection because of um, the stadium which is a great place to watch a game, but seats about 1,000 people. It's not massive. There are some that will criticize it because they will criticize Terre Haute. 
obviously the person that normally sits in this chair will defend them to the hilt. Um, and as somebody that spent, again, I didn't go to school in Indiana State, didn't go to school at Rose Holman, didn't grow up there. But actually, I spent time like going to various camps like every summer I was in high school. I spent a week in 91. I spent two weeks in 92. I spent a week in 93 in Terre Haute. And I've, I've been back a couple of times the last couple of years. And there's some cool spots in downtown Terre Haute. Copper Bar, man. It's a good spot. There's some nice that they Terre Haute has made an effort on their downtown on on maybe not maybe don't cruise the bash anymore, but I wouldn't be bashing that place. You're gonna be okay if you're spending a weekend there. If you're a fan of North Carolina or Iowa or Wright State. And by the way, I had Wright State last week. They're a pretty good team too. That will not be easy for Indiana State coming up on Friday afternoon in that one four game. But I'm a little invested because I've been making that drive on a more regular basis to broadcast some Sycamore athletic events. And because of my friendship with people like Luke Martin, John Sherman, Seth Montgomery, others behind the scenes in Terre Haute. So uh, roll damn trees. Good luck, guys. Um, Well, I got the opportunity as well, since I plugged you, Indy. Well, to make sure I congratulated uh, the ladies from Marion. Their season ended in the NAIA Softball World Series semifinals. Great run for Scott Fleming's team. They basically return every player but one of their rotation. Um, next year won't begin for them for several months down the road, but since I had the platform here, wanted to make sure that uh, I gave them some proper congratulations as well. If you have missed any of our interviews so far, brand new IUPUIAD Luke Basso, um, Mike Broughton, Indiana Indiana All-Star Game director, uh, four days of basketball featuring the best juniors and seniors in the state of Indiana, frankly, because of the Futures game, best freshman and sophomore, too. Uh, That starts on Sunday down in Jeffersonville. We'll stream all those on the ISC Sports Network. Uh, Brad Hodder talking about stadium. The breaking of ground for 11 Park was officially today at the old Diamond Chain facility. Had Brian on the program. And again, not one, but two great interviews. The alma mater's doing well in terms of producing uh, quality conversationalists on the baseball team. One, Adam Rakestraw. No, we are not related. Yes, he's far more athletic than me. And then EJ White. They joined us in the last segment of the show. You can go back and listen to those anytime at 1075thefan.com. We'll take this quick time out. Kevin Bowen will be joining us next. Greg Rakestraw filling in for JMV, 93.5-1075, The Fam. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Excuse me, Robo. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? Stay out of trouble. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. The Danger Zone. That was actually the front runner when Kevin Bowen and Jake were repaired together. They like to go with Kevin and Query, but Danger Zone was nearly the name of that program. Kevin, is that a factual statement? Boy, I felt like the three hours I spent with him today, I felt like I was in the Danger Zone. (laughs) You always know you are side seat driving on that show because you're not quite sure that's going to go, right? 
No, and you know what? My dad taught driver's ed for about 30 years, so I kind of feel like I'm I'm almost my dad, just kind of grasping for the wheel at times. I feel, feel like we're turning left on red. We're doing a lot of those things. So today was one of those. I had to stay up until 2 or I don't even know it was, 1 a.m. to watch Ted Lasso. That was Jake's excuse for why he was on three hours of sleep. Usually it's a day that ends in Y uh, for that to be the case with Jake. <laughs> but going back to your dad, who was a driver's ed instructor, I actually had a, had a game last night where I went to go pick up my partner because he just had rotator cuff surgery. And he is an old driver's ed instructor. And I noticed I made a move that made him push his right foot down and he's sitting in the passenger seat, which for those that have ever been through driver's ed knows, that's that, that's the dummy break you know, in case student driver doesn't know what he's doing. So how many times would you notice your dad doing that in your car as you were growing up that he would instinctively hit the brakes and realizing, oh, blank, I can't stop this? Yeah, it definitely definitely a couple of times, to say the least. I, I do think, like, for driver's ed teachers, I do think my dad did a nice job of, like, not being, like, crazy, you know, driver's ed uh, passenger seat the whole time. It, honestly, the best part about it was, like, you know, he would have this car for the whole summer, and so boom, we would like go to the you know the elementary school parking lot and drive around with it and all of that. So I do feel like I had like a decent early exposure to it, and I think my mom was probably the one that made sure uh, that uh, oh no, Brad, boom, this this. She acted like she had the um, she had the brake in her in her front seat. You know, Kevin, from where I'm from, that's called tractors. Uh, that's how we learned uh, to drive <laughs> it at, at such a young age. All right, so hey, I was. Hey, I was I, I was down in your in your neck of the woods the other the other weekend. I meant to text you. Played Chariot Run golf course. Chariot Run, yeah, yeah. And and refresh me on the city's name. Uh, right next to South Central High School. So so for some reason that is labeled as Laconia. That's Elizabeth. Yeah. Uh, so yes, next to South Central, Elizabeth, Indiana, the major metropolis that is the center of the South Harrison School Corporation, um, is like two miles down the road. So it's weird. Like Laconia is like five miles past another hill. So Elizabeth is where that is located. Yes, sir. Got it. And, and is my totally off base here, or do I feel like South Central's made some deep tournament runs and? I don't know, maybe even football recently, or is that? am I totally aware? Well, they have not made deep runs in football because they've never had football at that South Central, just so oh, you know. Oh, wow. Okay. So they, am I thinking of a different South Central? They're, Adam they're, Central? They're, Adam Central is the football power. There are two South Centrals, and they're nowhere close to each other. So South Central of Elizabeth is in Harrison County in God's country. And literally, Kevin, just so you know, from where I grew up, you could take about eight minutes of country roads and, and only cross a highway, not actually take it, and get from the Rakestraw Radio Ranch Turley Road version to get to Chariot Run Golf Course. Um, the other South Central is South Central of Union Mills, which is in northwest Indiana, and they are the satellites, and they are slightly bigger, and I do believe they play football there. Got it. Got it. Okay. Well, now I have my South Central squared away. Chariot Run, very, very good public golf course, by the way. Right. In in conjunction with the casino uh, that is down there, which is which is the reason why uh, why that thing was frankly built. All right. So this now starts selling like a morning show. I have what now? I have no idea what 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 path we're going to take with this. Uh, the, in terms of non-Indianapolis 500 conversation, what has been the dominant topic over the course of the last couple of days? Well, certainly, yeah. I mean, we're still kind of putting a little bow tie on, on 500 chatter and the red flag and all of that. But, I mean, I, I do think, and I don't know, I haven't been around my computer for the last half hour or so, but, you know, as of now, Zach Eady, I, I don't think it made anything public yet one way or the other on his intentions for the draft. So we definitely talked about that. 
a good amount this morning. I did see right before, got away from my computer earlier, you know, Cam Whitmore coming in from Villanova for a workout tomorrow for the Pacers. That's, I would say, easily the highest-rated prospect they've had in yet. So a little bit of draft chatters. We're, you know, a little over three weeks away from that. Um, and then Colts-wise, you know, being out there for the last OTA, or I guess it would have been the first open OTA, but it's the last one we've been able to watch on uh, on Thursday of last week. That kind of fell on our back burner just with Parkway sure. the next morning. Um, so we didn't chat a whole lot about that last week. So uh, you're starting to get into these 11-on-11 sessions, and now you're getting some, okay, these are the updates or necessarily, you know, these are the guys that are participating. These are the guys that aren't participating. You know, June 1st is a big day in the NFL calendar and that you typically see some veteran cuts. There's a financial element to it on, on why teams wait until that date to make some, you know, veteran cuts. So could the Colts be, you know, in line to look for a Mike Adams as a guy that they found at this part of the offseason? <laughs> right. You know, if you go back almost a decade now. So those are, I think, kind of some of the – I guess we haven't spent a ton of time on it, but those are some of the things we started to get into today, and I'm sure we'll get into more the rest of the week. All right, so if we're looking for the next pops, so to speak, since you, since you bring up Mike Adams, I mean, he was an absolute godsend of a find that I think he ended up getting, what, three years here when, when he was, you know, an afterthought when, when he was brought in. If, if you're going to go out and get that player this year, I'm not asking you to name me that name, what position would that player play? If you're going to go out and bring in another veteran for another team, you're bringing in a what if you're Shane Steichen and Chris Ballard? Well, I mean, honestly, I think safety is probably one of the couple that would be on that short list. I, I would think cornerback would be the other one. You know, it's such a young, young room. And honestly, if you slot Kenny Moore into more of that nickel slot position, I guess, you know, he wouldn't necessarily even qualify as kind of an outside corner there. Um, but I, I think the one that, for me, Rake stands above the rest would be interior of the offensive line. And probably I could group the entire offensive line, but I'll throw kind of that right guard spot in there um, if I had to pick any of the five. Um, and, and, you know, kind of the argument that I've had with myself about this over the last few weeks is, you know, when you look at positions of need for the Colts this season, I am of the thinking of veteran free agent help to support Anthony Richardson should be kind of the the single thought process in assessing what are your needs and how much you should invest in those needs. And if you're talking about positions on the defensive side of the ball, if those positions, which again, they are defense, if they're not directly impacting Richardson, I'm kind of good with letting the young guys roll. Um, I know that sounds a little bit soft and maybe doesn't sound like the, hey, you know, you're not all chips in on winning in 2023. <laughs> well, I, I mean – I'm not, and I know that kind of goes, you know, debunks on everything, you know, that, you know, the professional football league and the NFL and, and, and how, you know, parity kind of defines that league, how much it goes into it. But I just think this year is very much like how we talked about the Pacers back in October or November. It's about Halliburton taking a step. It's about Benedict Matherin. He belongs at this level. It's about getting some sort of answer on Miles Turner. And you got all that, and no one really cares that they won 35 games. So, you know, when I look at positions – Again, I think a veteran free agent on the O-line, um, I actually probably would be open-minded to a veteran pass catcher. I don't think they are, but right. I would look into that a little bit more. Uh, but as far as safety and corner, I'd be a bit content if they just kind of stood where they are and rode with a lot of the young guys they already have back there. Let's face it, when it, when it comes to Anthony Richardson, um, you know we can notate in the parts of, of workouts we get to see how many first-team reps he is getting versus Gardner Minshew. We can be wowed by a particular throw that he is making knowing he's not going to be hit. But, but, but I would say that the thing that would catch my attention most 
is kind of how do the other players are acting around him and, and, and what the other guys are saying about him. So on those two fronts, anything that, that immediately comes to mind or catches your attention? Yeah, I'll probably go back to maybe even before he got on the practice field in that, you know, guys, I mean, can you imagine how, I mean, certainly you and I follow it, Rake, and report on it. Uh, all, all of our listening audience is a fan of it. We're pretty darn exhaustive, exhausted by this quarterback carousel. Like, I mean, clearly, I mean, you know, this is, it, it's approaching an NFL record, frankly, for, you know, having a different quarterback in consecutive week ones. Now I think it's whatever it's going to be, the seventh straight year, something like that. Well, imagine being a part of that football team. Like, these guys aren't dumb. They, they know how much money the quarterback makes. They know how important that position is in, in the NFL. So I, I would say that kind of caught me first of, like, you ask them these questions, they were extremely candid and just being like, about time that we've taken a chance, and now we'll see if this guy can turn into something. Because I, I'm not saying the expectation should be there for an Anthony Richardson you know, leading the Colts to the Super Bowl on his rookie contract. But you can point to several quarterbacks over the last handful of years that have gotten their respective teams to deep playoff runs into the the Super Bowl. Um, I would say the thing on the field that stood out to me a little bit more was actually something Gardner Minshew said, um, I guess this would have been last week now, maybe it was two weeks ago, when asked about – and. It, I kind of felt dumb asking the question, but Minshew was in one of those moods, and I feel like he just always is pretty good with, you know, ask me anything, and I'll offer a really honest answer. And he had worked out with Richardson during the draft process. So, I, I, I you know, I said to him, like, okay, I know you've talked about how different the ball is coming out of his hand versus your hand, but are there any similarities in your game? And he said he actually felt like from like an RPO decision-making standpoint, knowing the right reads, having good footwork, you know, getting the ball out quickly, processing, like he felt like those two were kind of similar. And I thought that was interesting because, you know, when you think of like crazy elite athletes, oftentimes the stereotype that goes with it is they might struggle more from a mental game, whereas vice versa. The guys that maybe aren't as gifted athletically, they're the ones that cerebral – wise you know check that box so i thought that was kind of a an interesting answer from Minshew in that and i guess not too surprising because again richardson by all accounts you know handled things from a mentally mental standpoint at florida processing standpoint pretty well that was like a huge issue for him honestly it's probably more of a will levis issue um, than it was a a richardson one so i would say on field and again it's only really been one week plus that is something that i found interesting from the guy that you know theoretically he's quote-unquote competing with listen um we all think the best case scenario is anthony richardson's quarterback on day one i'm also of the opinion that that determination has not been made yet and that determination gets made at some point in time during training camp and i think at some point in time after a preseason game or two i think that is your time frame to make that decision is two three weeks out before that season opening game in in, in early september just kind of your thoughts on on the process that will need to play out. Yeah, I mean, I'll be fascinated, Rake, to see how they divvy up those reps late July into August. Um, I mean, certainly I know you are, and it's not selfish by you at all, but you're very curious about that with your TV responsibilities yep. coming up during the, during the month of August. Um, you know, right now, it, 50-50 split last week. You know, we'll see how this week unfolds and then two more weeks to go in the offseason program, I would assume. It would take on that same sort of plan here to end the spring program. But then when you get into training camp, you know, especially once 
that calendar turns to August, you know, I would think you would like to commit to a guy, I mean, to your point, you know, kind of in that middle of the month. And I would tend to side even a little bit before that. At least you're showing some of your hand. Because I am interested in this. You know, the Colts play, they play back-to-back Saturdays, right? The, the 12th and the 19th, is that right? Yeah, correct, yep. And then they have that Thursday night game, mm-hmm. you know, five days after the game on the 19th, and that's their final preseason game. And, again, this is the preseason and how people handle – you know, how much you commit to starters in the preseason, all of that, we will certainly debate. And I and I always think, and let me jump in here, and I know you got plenty more to say of, of great intelligence. I always think that it's a different proposition when you have a rookie quarterback, that preseason games are completely different, especially in Richardson's case where he's got to have some level of experience. Certainly, and, and I would agree with that. And, again, I, kind of playing off of that, I would say, okay, does that mean Ryan Kelly? would play more in the right. preseason. You're at, no, I, I, I think it, you have to, frankly. Yeah. It, you know, it, if you think he's going to be the guy week one. So, you know, when you get into that Saturday, Thursday, again, remember, there's only three preseason games now. So you got three of them. Week one, week two, and week three. Well, from week two to week three, it's just a five-day you know, day spread. Uh, you know, some veterans might say, whoa, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm good, or I'm not I'm not used to, to doing that. Now, granted, it's a new coaching staff, and we'll see how they handle things, but – I think that'll be something to watch as well. Um, But I would say in kind of that August, you know, 5th to 10th range, you know, once you're in kind of that second week of camp, once you've put on the full pads, you know, that preseason opener is the 12th. You've got the joint practices with the Bears the week after. I think you got to show a few few cards there and at least give an an indication of where you're at from a, a practice standpoint, a rep standpoint, and, you know, once you get into the late part of the month, you're probably going to start, you know, formulating a game plan for week one, as we know full well, you know, what that game should mean to this franchise. Well, let's shift over from Colts, who obviously will be working the next couple of weeks, to the Pacers, who will be drafting uh, here in about three weeks. Um, and again, they're going to get a talented player at seven. Um, could they potentially try to package and move up a spot or two? It's certainly possible. Um, are they are they taking all their four selections after seven? I highly doubt it. You brought up, you know, hey, there's there, there's a, a, a veteran cut line for the NFL that's coming up tomorrow. Could a player be brought in by the Colts? Is there a veteran that's going to come in for the Pacers and not of the George Hill, James Johnson variety? Not of the guys that would be, hey, just the wise old sage that can, that can work with the young guys. No, I mean a dude that's actually going to see playing time in the rotation. Do you see a player like that being brought in by Kevin Pritchard? Or is this simply going to be the number seven pick and then whatever moves you can make after that? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think the fact that you're able to ask that question along with having the top ten pick and then three more in the next, whatever, 20-some selections is just a reminder of how successful the Pacers have been with this rebuild. Like, they are in a position where you feel good about some of their young pieces, yet they enter an offseason with ample cap space if they want to entertain that with, you know, three, I guess, four picks in the top 30, um, 32 selections. So they can maneuver and they can kind of pick and choose. And I think a big decision internally they have to decide is, you know, if you would ask them back in October, what would this offseason look like? They would say, oh, another serious part of the rebuild. Sure. Well, now there's probably some chatter like, hey, look at the East. There's a little bit of dysfunction with some of these teams. You know, can the Pacers now accelerate things a little bit 
you know, do you have a sense of urgency? Is there any ownership influence in that? Uh, I think those are all like real questions that you have. Uh, you know, I, I tend to think you still use that pick on a, obviously a young guy and you still could try to grow because, you know, if you're going to make any move for a veteran, yes, they might be more of a sure thing, but it's also twofold. It's financial commitment and it's a massive draft pick commitment as well and what you would have to give up. And this is probably, or at least you hope, the last time you're going to be drafting in the top 10 for, for quite some time. So I'm probably a little bit more of the take the guy at seven, maybe package some of the late first rounders and see if you can, you know, find a veteran um, to, you know, not be your top three or four guys, but could certainly help you out. That's probably the path I would explore. But again, we've said about the Pacers for several off seasons now, and really even when they had the previous era of Oladipo and Brogdon and those guys, you know, because they didn't have a marquee player, they have always been in a pretty good cap situation. A large portion of the NBA can't say that. So can you factor into some salary dump situations, those sorts of things, where you can benefit from a team that all of a sudden looks at it and says, man, Buddy Heald's making that much, and we're in a rebuild in Sacramento? All right, uh, we will you know, kind of throw him in as the extra piece when it, it, Halliburton was looked at as the marquee guy. So I think those are some areas that the Pacers need to uh, try and explore. And it does, you know, Kevin Pritchard strikes me as a guy that is, and has said this, he's very open-minded to all of that. And certainly those will be the debates between now and uh, June June 22nd when the draft gets here. I'm going to be doing a basketball game at Cathedral High School next Wednesday night, and there are two future Notre Dame Fighting Irish players playing in the game. I assume you're going to be there? Oh, wow. Tell me more. I, I, I Now that you said this, I do remember seeing something at Cathedral um, coming up here from a basketball standpoint, but I'm not familiar with the game. Is it a it's got to be one of the junior, uh, senior, junior games or it, something like that. It would be the junior, senior game, and obviously you got Marcus Burton and now Logan Imes that are playing in the game that are both going to be playing for Micah Shrewsbury at Notre Dame. Uh, again, I'll, I'll have a webcast you can watch um, at, at iscsportsnetwork.com, but knowing you, I assume that you would not miss the chance to go back to the Almonte to watch this game. Okay, so give me the date on this again. Next Wednesday, uh, so one yeah, week from seven. tonight, girls game I want to say is at six, and the boys game to follow in doubleheader fashion. Okay. I'll be the guy right. making noise with headphones on. It's at, at, uh, either up in the balcony or perhaps on the opposite baseline right corner as you walk in. Okay, well, I think I, I need to be all in on this. Um, <laughs> yeah, this, this, it, it sounds like a great opportunity. You know I've asked you about Marcus Burton a lot. I'm I've not seen a whole lot of, but I know some people are kind of intrigued by a little bit of a combo guard situation. Well, the thing is, is I, I, I think that he is a good fit with Burton because Burton is more of a scoring guard, even though he's got more of a, of a point guard body. Imes is kind of a bigger point guard. I think they're a very good combo together. Now, uh, you know, how much success you're going to have with a, with a new coach and a, a, an all-freshman backcourt, I'm not sure. But I do think that their two skill sets play off of each other pretty well. Well, the thing that, first off, I'm very impressed that Marcus Burton maintained his commitment. I get he, that he's a pin kid, but he, he stayed committed throughout all of that, you know, rather, I guess, multiple-month process that Mike Bray announced that he wasn't going to be coming back and was going to retire. Um, I am curious, though, that Mark, Michael Shrewsbury has not gone out and done anything from a veteran point guard standpoint in the portal. So he might be handing Marcus Burton the ball from day one. 
Could be the case again. You've got a little. You've got a little time there, so to speak. <laughs> you know, knowing knowing that you're you're young and, and and building from that point. Before I let you go, obviously, again, I, I said to kind of begin the conversation, everything but the 500. So let me ask you about the 500 as we wrap this up. Your thoughts on the race on Sunday? Well, I thought it was great. I, I mean, just terrific drama and theater late in the race, you know, I did think sitting there and I was sitting in turn one with my in-laws. I mean, through the first 90 laps, I thought to myself, this has got to be one of the quicker races of all time. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, we, hadn't, we hadn't gotten to to yellow. And I know it's not the best thing to say from a safety standpoint, but I kind of leaned over to my, to my brother-in-law. I was like, it would be the worst thing in the world to get a yellow or two. And, and certainly once you got into that and just the natural, how plans evolved over 500 miles, it was certainly, again, turned into unbelievable drama and I think by all accounts you know you you saw that from a rating standpoint and how people viewed it and specifically late in the race to to witness that you know I I went back and watched the highlights because uh, I didn't want to stay up for the whole replay on on Sunday with having to wake up early for the Monday show and I almost forgot Rake how impressive the new garden pass was on I guess it would have been two restarts before the final one, that was when Pato Ward ended up crashing uh, right in front of Jake there in turn three. Like, Newgarden pulled off a, a wild move to get the outside of Erickson and Pato. And so it, it almost was like he des- – that move to me, looking back on it, that, you know, you could have thrown a red flag potentially after the Pato crash. Or, excuse me, you could have gone yellow there. Sure. Newgarden would have been the winner at that point. It was almost like he kind of deserved it. And, like, yes, we are obviously going to remember – the pass on the last lap outside of Erickson in turn three as the pass. But this is a dude that methodically put himself in a position to be in those sorts of, okay, are you going to make the pass? Are you able to, are you not? But he also had a hell of a run there, you know, a few laps before the last one. That was great. So um, yeah, I thought it was a really, really terrific race. I understand that I'm the common fan. I'm not the diehard IndyCar fan that says, show me the rule book, why that red flag should be thrown. Um, but I think when you're a sport that is trying to grow like that and you continue to you know, keep it at the 500 miles and how chaotic the previous crash was, that would have led to all sorts of video replays and trying to sift through, okay, who won it, who's in second, who's in third, who's in fourth? That confusion, I think, would have put a, a little bit of a black eye on things. So I was totally fine with the decision. And obviously, the New Garden, uh, his celebration said it all. You know, I, I think in a way, it's a little Phil Mickelson you know, winning his first major, you can tell by his emotion, you know, what that uh, what that obviously meant to him. Leave it to Kevin Bowen to compare the Indy 500 to the PGA Tour. It's a perfect way to end <laughs> this portion of the program. As always, appreciate the time, my friend. I'll see you Friday at uh, Colts Complex. All right, see you, Rick. You got Kevin Bowen, of course, C and Jay Query. They take to the radio airwaves tomorrow at 7 a.m. Right here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I've had five segments of great guests. The last two segments, it's all on me. Let's see if we can get through this together. Your telephone calls, 317-239-1070. Hit me up on Twitter, at Greg Rakestraw, or email the program to greg at 1070thefan.com. We're back after this. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Hey, Judge, double or nothing, he makes it. 80,000. What's that, Judge? You're on, you're on. Well, we're waiting. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan.
Open phone lines the rest of the way. Substitute teacher is still in the driver's seat. Greg Rakestraw in, well, for 30 more minutes or so on 93.5 and 107.5. The fan, John, getting some much-deserved R&R. He is back tomorrow. Of course, that means a Saturday night JMB takeover, and I have a surprise for John on the show on Saturday. I'm not on every Saturday. I will be on this one. Um, I'm pretty sure I can guarantee it. So be tuned in at some point in time on Saturday night's show. I tried to call John on B1057. Um, I think I called after the Indy 11 game, like at about 945, and John was simply too busy to take my telephone call. I think I literally stayed on the line for like 15 minutes, the entire drive home. No luck in getting my request for either, I'm assuming because I had planted the seed for this when I made my weekly appearance on the show last week, little Judas Priest living after midnight. I'm assuming that played in the 12 a.m. hour of the show. But I was actually going to call him with like a live request and like a suggestion for later. So maybe I'll bring that request this week. You never know. But the JMV takeover back on Saturday night. John back in this chair. The chair might still be warm for me sitting here, so probably actually won't sit in this chair when he comes back tomorrow. Uh, 317-239-1070. You want to join the conversation, topic or topics of your choice, feel free. You can email the program to Greg at 1070 The Fan or tweet to me at Greg Rakestraw. And as I always say, you know my phone number? The bat phone works too. You can always just you know skip the line and text me, and you never know. It just might make the show. While... Uh, Kevin and I were having that conversation, uh, and frankly, for the last hour, I have just been, I wouldn't say doom-scrolling Twitter, but just kind of looking to see if we've got word on Zach Eady just yet. And so far that I have seen, we do not have an answer on Zach Eady. But there is another player of note, not locally, but certainly a very well-known college player that has announced he is done playing college basketball. He is moving on to the NBA, and that is Oscar Shibway of the University of Kentucky. Again, had it not been for the uh, the change in NIL, probably Oscar would have left Kentucky after last year's NCAA tournament, which included a loss to St. Peter's here in Indianapolis. He went back. And now he is on to the NBA, so a key cog leaving the University of Kentucky. Uh, the other player of, of note, and again, um, I can give you chapter and verse on the Horizon League, uh, the Crossroads League, because those are the leagues I cover on a regular basis to a lesser degree, the Missouri Valley Conference. Um, else, otherwise, in Division I hoops, it's it's like Indiana and Purdue. And I, I kind of fade out at this point. Arthur Kaluma, who was at Creighton, has withdrawn from the NBA draft and is going to transfer. So, again, uh, one of the potential notables and a little bit of a weakening for a really good team in the Big East, Arthur Kaluma is heading elsewhere to play next year in college hoops. Um, in terms of Avidi, again, I've always thought he's coming back just because the game has kind of changed around him and you will have some teams that will uh, – find a need for Zach Eady, but again, it's it's crazy to think about this. You could make more money playing in college basketball as a second-round pick than probably you would in the NBA. So I, I've always thought he's coming back, but we'll see. Time will tell. Um, talked about this briefly with Kevin, um, but but just 
maybe one of what the offseason looks like for the Pacers. And to me, the intrigue is it's obviously going to be the intrigue is going to be what happens at pick number seven. But I'm almost as curious as to what's going to happen with the other four picks, not in terms of whom they are picking, but you hit on so many player moves last year that you don't have this huge need to bring in this new crop of talent. You have a definitive need that being in the seventh pick is going to help you. Uh, and seemingly, it's by no means a guarantee you're picking seven, but the, the the player that seems to be most mentioned or most linked with the Pacers is Jairus Walker from Houston. For example, I'm reading, um, I, I'm, I don't put this huge... Um, this huge amount of, of, of credit on, on like simulated picks and, and percentage of chances and, and things like that. But I'll at least reference in here. Hoopsipe has this mock draft aggregate or simulator or something along those lines that says that Walker as of now has a 62% chance of landing to the Indiana Pacers at pick number seven. And I can tell you that Jairus plays for Houston or played for Kelvin Sampson at Houston. I know he's a freshman like virtually every other top pick in the draft is going to be. And I know that his strong suit is a wing defender, which clearly is what the Pacers were lacking. They found shooting. Need to have more of a, of a defensive presence. And, and Walker seems to be that guy. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you, was, you know, I've seen him play. I've studied the tape. No, I haven't done that. But it seems to be that's the guy that is most often linked or talked about with the Indiana Pacers. And it's going to be him. It's going to be another talented player at seven. You're going to get a quality piece unless you really screw it up. You're going to get a quality piece. What is intriguing to me is, do you bring in another veteran to play in the rotation? Do you try to trade some of those back-end picks almost for future picks and the reason I bring this up is the following. Miles Turner's under contract for two more years, but he healed in the last year of his deal. There's been debate as to, do you move Daniel Tice? Do you move T.J. McConnell? Obviously, Benedict Matherin, long-term piece. You've got Jalen Smith probably for one more year, and then this time he's going to exercise his player option and not kind of give the Pacers a sweetheart deal. We know that Tyrese Halliburton is not going anywhere. Duarte, we'll see. Neesmith, you're bringing him back. Jordan Wara for for three million dollars for one year. You're bringing him back. You know Isaiah Jackson's going to be here. You like I got to steal an Andrew Nemhard. You get the idea, okay? I just rattled off like eight or nine pieces that you know are going to be here next year, and you typically play a nine or ten man rotation. You don't exactly have this room to bring in four or five new pieces, and frankly, in terms of cap space, you've got the room to bring in another veteran. Do you potentially look to bring in a veteran piece along with the seventh pick? So to me, that's why, again, I'm curious as to who the seven is going to be because I know it's going to be a good player. It has to be a player that is a major rotational piece. And obviously, there's a guy that you need to be able to fit defensively as to what you could do going forward. But do you think about bringing in a, a free agent? Because, again... From a cap standpoint, you got room. The Pacers heading into the season, um, they have the second most cap space. I just don't have second, but they got a lot of it. 
They are one of, let me count here real quick, nothing like counting on live radio. Uh, They are one of seven teams that in terms of salary accounted for for next year has under $100 million on the books. So at quick check, they have the fifth most cap space available in the NBA. Before signing their seventh, their, their number seven pick, before making any other potential draft moves with two other first round picks that they can either take or potentially move later in the first round, and two more picks in the second round, and and I and I don't think to bring in a veteran, especially if it's on a short term deal, you necessarily have to move a Buddy Heald or even move a TJ McConnell. I think I think McConnell's a valuable piece. And again, if you've got Halliburton and, and Nemhard, and those are your guys going forward, as much as McConnell has been wonderful here, it is fair to question what his role is going to be going forward. So just something to think about as the calendar flips to NBA Draft Month as of 12.01 tonight. We'll take this quick timeout. We'll come back with some final thoughts, kind of recap our guests, etc., etc. And time for your telephone calls to 317-239-1070 is the telephone number at Greg Rakestraw on Twitter or email the program as well, Greg at 1070thefan.com. We'll wrap it up next. The Ride with JMV. Why not, Mr. Dykeman? Because you did not use the magic word. What is the magic word, Mr. Dykeman? Please. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Thank you to James. Thank you to Nathaniel. Nathaniel, it takes a two-man crew to run the show when the substitute teacher is here. John is back tomorrow on the program. In case you missed the show, here is what you have missed to this point. Um, right now, you're missing your chance to call the show um, because that was Rick Springfield. You just lined up, correct? And we're giving away free Rick Springfield tickets. Uh, fellas, I, I don't have the date of the show. When is the Rick Springfield show? Uh, it is August 5th at the TCU Amphitheater in White River State Park. So it's downtown on August 5th. Call the number three right now. We'll win free tickets at 317-239-1070. If you want to go see Rick Springfield, here's your opportunity. Dial us up now, 317-239-1070. On the program today, you had the following guests. At 3.30, we were joined by Luke Basso. He is the brand-new director of athletics at IUPUI, obviously something that is near and dear to my heart, having been a part of IUPUI athletics in either the radio or television-slash-video voice. Do I count as the television voice when it's on ESPN Plus? Does that count? Because I have basically now had a relationship with IUPUI for... 20 of the last 23 years somewhere along those lines it was nine years of radio i think i just completed my 10th or 11th straight year of doing the television call for every home game so close enough 20 years um so i get a little partial to iupui and obviously i think i know the inner workings of it very well and luke is a person that i also know very well and it's an out-of-the-box hire i think an out-of-the-box hire was needed i like the idea so you can go back and listen to that podcast available, 1075thefan.com. Um, with what I do with ISC Sports Network, there are kind of three different times of the year. There's football season. There's basketball season. There's all-star season. 
All-star season is never as busy as it is for me as it is next week. I've got the junior-junior game in Jeffersonville. I've got the junior-senior game at Cathedral. Clearly, Kevin Bowen will be there. I've got the Indiana-Kentucky game in Kentucky and in Owensboro at the Sports Center. And I've got the game at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Actually, Rob Brown has that game. We have that on ISC. Uh, So I'll have three nights. We, as the day job for me, have four nights of Indiana-Kentucky or Indiana All-Star coverage. I thought it was good to have Mike Broad on the show to talk about that uh, early in the 3 o'clock hour of the show. At 4 o'clock, again, if you're in the soccer business, as I am, today was a big day locally with the groundbreaking of 11 Park that will be in, in hopes completed in 23 months. So the Indy 11 can begin their 12th season of play in April of 2025 at their brand new home. And then the hope would then be that the new women's professional team that will play in the USL Super League would then start playing in August of 2025, which would be the second year of that league. Brad Hodder joined me on the show. We talked all about the building, all about the impacts for the team going forward. Again, 1075thefan.com. Um, I cannot tell you how impressed I was with the two young men that joined this show from the University of Indianapolis. Perhaps I picked guests with something good to say. I also did pick one guest that's going to be going to law school next year, bypassing your eligibility, and another who, by the time he is done pitching at UND next year, sounds like he's going to have his master's degree in tow as well. Adam Rakestraw, by the way, you know, I, I maybe, um, maybe I, I didn't, uh, I can't match him in athleticism. Perhaps I can match him in brains. I was on a full academic ride at UND. Uh, Adam has been academic all GLVC each of the last three years. Maybe he's been named for a fourth year as well. Really enjoyed a first conversation. Um, I think maybe other than interviewing my own wife, it'd be the first time I had somebody on the show who had my last name. Uh, it was kind. Of, it was kind of cool. Uh, and then again, EJ White, and literally his success over the last couple of weeks pitching for UND has cost me a chance to work with both his mom and his dad. Because the Indy Levinman in talks with his mom about potentially uh, joining me on the women's broadcasts for the Indy 11 team. And they have their home opener on Friday night. And then also uh, his dad, you know, while we are on, I wouldn't say competing post-game shows, but we never have a chance to, we rarely have a chance to work together on air. We normally have a chance to do that one time a year. I'll mix in a little golf coverage next week. Our friends at Crooked Stick have their huge annual junior event, the Die. And usually, Eddie, as a Crooked Stick member, serves as our congenial host for interviews and things like that. And now he's going to be a little busy following his son to North Carolina. So I'd love to have an EJ on the program as well. And as per usual, Kevin Bowen was absolutely fantastic. You can go back and listen to any of those interviews at any time at 1075thefan.com. Dot com 317-239-1070. Who was our lucky winner of our Rick Springfield tickets? Mr. Matt Brandenburg. Congratulations, Matt. Enjoy the show coming up on August 5th at TCU. Uh, I've got to say this. Um, I think I'm going to go to a show at that amphitheater uh, the next weekend. I believe August 13th is when SWV is playing as part of a greater show at White River State Park, I shouldn't say a greater show, it's part of a like three, four, five different acts are going to be playing that night. 
And that's going to be kind of a, of a busy weekend for me. I'm going to be going to Buffalo like the two days before for the Colts preseason opener. I believe that is also Brickyard weekend. So I may have something to do that Sunday as well. But it's it's on my radar that SWV is playing on that show August the 13th because I have now gotten to a point of life where um, things kind of come full circle. I was getting ready to start my senior year of high school. I went on vacation with a buddy of mine. I'm be from up in this area, uh, the pride of Waldron, Indiana. And I was in Myrtle Beach for a week. We capped off our visit to Myrtle Beach by seeing SWV in a way overcrowded club on the beach in South Carolina that was so overcrowded and so hot, the band played two songs and up and left. And in my mind, Sisters with, Sisters with Voices became Sisters with Velocity because they got to, out of there. So I might actually come back and enjoy seeing them more of a full show some 30 years later. So no offense to Rick Springfield. I'm sure it's going to be a great show. I'm probably going to go back to a show at the amphitheater the next weekend to get more of the full set from SWV. Um, That was today's program. You can go back and listen to it at any point in time you'd like to at 1075thefan.com. One other thing I wanted to talk about, uh, because again, we we are kind of playing the waiting game. We played that Ted Knight clip that whether it was intended to play there or, or not in terms of talking about the Zach Eady story. Literally, if you've kind of heard me tap dancing at times the last couple of segments, it's because I'm trying to spit out things that I can say intelligently in like 30 to 45 second bursts just in case there is breaking news. And I'm not sure it's going to happen in the time while I am on the air with you. But had hoped that we could tell you, hey, Zach Eady's staying. Zach Eady's going. That news has not been made official just yet. So obviously, uh, if I don't get to have it on the program, the guys can talk about it on the variety of shows that we'll have for you tomorrow here on The Fan. Again, my thought is that he is coming back, but I know that for sure. That's not insider information. That's just me trying to make two plus two equal four. So in terms of things that will be on the radar tomorrow, we're a day closer to the NBA draft. We're continuing Colts workouts. And by the way, uh, something I saw flash on social media earlier, not in terms of breaking news, but something that strikes me as cool and intelligent to do, um, go check the Colts social media because they took some highlights of bringing guys like Edron James and Antoine Bethea back to, you know, bringing those guys back to speak to, I assume this year's rookies, but maybe even the entirety of the team as kind of a sign of uh, things to things to do. Looking for something to do? Check that out on social media. Time for me to exit stage left. The band is playing me off the show. We'll find out at some point in time what Zachy's decision is going to do, but the thing that should make you rejoice more than that, John is back tomorrow. Thanks for putting up with me here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.